Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing the NRL tour. Certainly a big round of rugby league and one that was filled with plenty of good action, but also a lot of controversy, Brock. Yeah, three quarters away through the regular season and the referees have hit the headlines again. Yeah, well, I think uh, we waste no time with this one. It's been going over and over the last couple of days, but we're obviously going to have our say. I'm pretty sure we'll be repeating a lot of what has already been heard, but our set of six kicking things off. Tackle one is the fallout to come from the incident in the Raiders and Sharks game involving the bunker, touch judge and referee. Your thoughts on the, the whole oh, debacle, should I say? Oh, two main thoughts. Firstly, it got sent up no try. I'm not sure how it got overturned, firstly, because I don't think there was conclusive evidence on the video to say that he didn't get a touch. Mm. So that's the first way they could have saved um, Ricky McFarlane, who... Uh, we actually know he's he's from the Penrith area. We don't we're not in close contact with him, but no. you know if we saw him, we'd certainly say good day. And uh, I think he's been the scapegoat to a large extent out of this situation. Um, he cocked up. He put his flag up. Uh, I think he put his flag up because he saw a touch. Um, from there, the game should have been stopped. It wasn't. The Raiders, I think, were guilty of not playing to the whistle. So I think I think there's a whole heap of people who need to take some ownership in this situation. Uh, Ricky Stewart then said that apparently the the referee said that there was a drop on the field, so that's why they stopped defending. But I think the Raiders, the other one was the forward pass, obviously. That was clearly not forward. Ridiculous. Uh, the, Joey, the Joey Leilua one, I thought it was flat. And it the touch judge forward. was McFarlane, right, who didn't call that. It was the on-field referee. And the touchy of all people has the best angle who was right next to it. Yeah. So f- firstly, you know, and then the second part of that is, is that the bunker should have seen the flag go up. When the flag goes up, play stops. Simple as that. So, you know, there, there was a myriad of cock-ups, I think, in that scenario. Uh, the disappointing part of it for me is the fact that the, just the blame keeps getting shifted. Um, Ricky's sort of been the one to fall on his sword. The others have got demotions and Todd Greenberg has come out and, you know, he's front of the media the last couple of days and tried to put some water on it. And, you know, I, I heard him this morning on Triple M talking to Matty Johns and sort of running out that, same old story that we hear from Todd about, you know, the percentages and we're getting a lot right and, you know, the technology, etc. I think we need to have a real good, long, hard look at the use of the bunker. I think it's, there's an overcomplication of the game. The, the game gets uh, looked at and is refereed in slow motion in the bunker where it's not refereed like that in any other aspect of the play. So, look, it, it highlights a lot of key things, but I don't want to referee bash. I think for me last night, like... Um, I watched uh, what's Gus's show, 100% Footy, and they were they were talking about and Rick, you heard Ricky Stewart in his press conference. This is probably the aspect I agree on was that 
how many voices are in the referee's ears. I've got no idea how a referee referees a game when he's got someone in his ear on every play. I don't know how he keeps count of the tackles. I don't know how he keeps track of play. So it's just a, it's a distraction, and I tend to agree with the, you know, I think the the vast majority of people who have the opinion that it's not allowing the referees to referee with any sort of feel for the game or allowing the game to flow at all. So, well, I agree with most. Uh, probably first and foremost, my big issue again: Touchy thrown on the bus. I was the one two weeks ago. Also said when the Touchy put her up in Brisbane, and people whinged about that. He's indicating that something the ref hasn't seen. Whether someone has not gone out or not, if the referee is not listening and there was a knock-on or a forward pass what happened in that Brisbane game, I don't have a problem with it. I do because they're, it shouldn't happen. That shouldn't happen. They're claiming the other night that the referee didn't see it. Well, if he didn't see it, why did he put his whistle in his mouth and then pull it back out? Clearly, he saw he his saw touch it. judge. It should have stopped right then and there. So I've got a problem there. Mm. The other problem I got is the whole thing around the Sutton brothers and looking out and that. I've, you know, I'm not one person to drop controversies and systems, but the more and more things have dragged on through the year, if he doesn't have some favoritism or defence for his brothers, well then I'm, you know, I'm not here because they've all targeted to try and throw McFarlane under the bus. And uh, did he make a mistake? Yes, but did he try to get his point across and say that he saw a touch? Yes. Should it have stopped right there? Yep. Did the bunker stuff up? Hundred percent, it stuffed up as well. And much like we said in Origin, there's not conclusive evidence, so it shouldn't have well, been the given bunkers, a try. The bunker's responsibility is to protect. The exactly. on referees, and in this case, it's failed. And in Origin, we said same deal for the gag eye one. They somehow not, not so much to protect, it. but just to make sure that the decision is correct, looking at all visions and all angles. I and... thought he got a thumb to it, and the more I looked, I still couldn't make my mind up. So if it went up no try, it should have stayed a no try. Correct. That's the issue we got here. But the whole way it's been handled, I'm taking it a step further like most people. The referee's boss and the fact that Tony Archie gets to sit above him just seems like me. Jobs for the boys inside of the ref side of things. There's too much bullshit. There's too much politics. They get there the same as players get there, in my opinion. They come through the ranks. They do the right things. They put the time in. They're there for a reason. Mm. Get out of their heads. They don't need a coach. They don't need the bunker. They don't need all these voices coming from the touch judges. They should have themselves. I, I like the one referee system. And if we're going to stick with the two, which seems the way it's going to be, the two referees and the touch judges. No more, no less. There shouldn't right. be a feed two's, from the bunker. There shouldn't fine. be the ref's coach. They have every ground as well in their ear. There's too much going on. Um, but I think it's just been poorly handled. All around. I don't agree with the coaches getting involved again because, as we all know, generally coaches, when they meet about rules, commissions, and all these bits and pieces, they try to bring things up that's that a favor. Whole, yeah, that's a so, whole new can of worms. The coaches shouldn't have any. No, I, I don't agree with that. They side should of have things. an opinion. They should have a forum where they can express their perfi- oh, opinion. 100%. But it should not be the be all and end all and the reason why we change the rules. But the plain and simple of everything for me is that the referee setup is disgraceful. Something needs to change. Greenberg is partly responsible. Tony Archer shouldn't have been able to create his own little role here and go there one day a week and hand it off to Bernie and he's running things. Well, someone had a rubber with stamp his that. Own favorite. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. This all starts with Greenberg and it goes back down through the ref setup. And I know we've said it a million times before about how things are being run. And I know Billy Harrigan gets animated plenty of the times, but I don't see why somebody like him... Uh, well, he got the sack as well. I... But at, the heart, at the heart of everything, don't complicate things. Rugby league is not a complicated game, and all it seems to have become is more and more complicated uh, during my later teen years and now time through my 20s. In the last decade, rugby league has got a hell of a lot more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. And in particular for those referees, like I said, they're the same as players. They get there for a reason... They do a great job. They know you should be able to do things based on their natural ability and the skill set that has got them to the NRL level. Get out of their heads. Don't give them KPIs. Don't tell them what to do. And I think the best thing I've heard all weekend, and Gus said it again, you're not there to ref the game, rugby league. It doesn't need to be refed. It needs to be managed. Stay out of the way. 
That's what should be. Todd Greenberg said that this morning. He said, "Look, you can give a penalty on every play," and he's right. Exactly. We're all we're all former players. We said all the time. You're always looking for an advantage. You're always trying to jump early. You're always trying to stay in the ruck that one little second long. Like you're always going to push the boundaries. But the referees are highly involved, and things are too overcomplicated for them. And I feel more sorry for them than anything. Yeah, I really do. Well, the games become more complicated, and therefore the difficulty in refereeing the games become more complicated. So it's a lot harder to referee now than what it was 10 years we'll strip ago. Strip back so. and get rid of all the bullshit that needs I, to go. I agree. Tackle two. Uh, the Roosters and the Storm just kind of moseyed through the year. We've talked about the whole time, haven't really struck a blow. The Roosters had players in, out, the origin period, lack of cohesion, etc. But they've slowly just ticked along without even really noticed. And they've come out in the weekend and had a big result. Mind you, Manly were quite poor. And the Melbourne Storm, same deal. Basically not being mentioned any bit at all, but have suddenly come out of a period of winning, you know, eight of their last nine games after starting the year five and four, and all of a sudden they're first. The Roosters are in the top four, and are we crazy to think that these two are just priming themselves at the right time? And maybe a lot of people have slept on these two during the year. No, I don't know. Roosters, yes. Melbourne for me. I yeah, I don't, I don't see what I've seen in the past in Melbourne. Put it that way. I That's agree. me. That's my opinion. Yeah. And I'm, I've been the first it, to pick other people up. Though? Isn't it uh, dumbfounding that they're first still, given what we've seen? That's no, I more... think it's testament to A, good coaching, B, good culture. C, they don't beat themselves. They are the, they are the number one team in this competition that just don't beat themselves. They don't. Their discipline is the best in the competition. Uh, I think the Roosters, the Roosters have got, yeah, they've got a lot of talent, but they've got the best defensive record in the league as well. Yeah. So... That tells me they're well coached. We know they're well coached. They've taken a little while to fire. You know, we know that. You've got key position players um, coming across. You know, Kiri's only had basically a year and a half there now. Uh, he's had to work in with a new house partner in Cooper Cronk. You've got Jake Friend, who shared a little bit of time early in the season with Victor Radley at nine. He's obviously he started the year slow. Tedesco's had to work in. So, and to me, at the start of the year, their forwards weren't firing on all cylinders. I think their forwards are playing a lot better. Mm. I don't think they're at top gear, but they're clearly at a higher gear than what they were at the start of the year. So, to me, they're both warming nicely. Melbourne, to me, are similar to Brisbane. I look at them and go, they need a they need a halfback that we've 20 minutes to go in a 12-all grand final. Have they got a playmaker there that can get them a couple of repeat sets well, still... that can play that? I've got, got to jump in on one thing without sounding like a Melbourne homer, but Brisbane don't have Slater, Smith and Munster. No, I, I know the that. half isn't there, but they've that. still got enough pieces to me. Minus so? the seven. They don't scare me as much, Melbourne. They don't scare me them. as much, but you want to compare those two. I think Melbourne literally have game winners. No, I just think they're, the, they're, they're two teams who I look at and they're, that's, they've got the same hole, in my opinion. Mm. So, you know, if you, if you said to me which one of those two will win the comp, I'd mm. say Melbourne, no doubt. I think it's not as glaring now, and that's the fact I'm getting at with the game management of Cameron Smith. Mm. Cameron Smith is as good as having a half playing from nine and yeah, I. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to get any yeah. argument out of me. I just, I don't, I'm not, I'm not bagging no. Melbourne. Like, I'm, no. I'm number one in but the you're... Melbourne fan club. I just look at them and I don't think they're as ominous as no. he's gone by. Saying that, neither is the competition. There's not a, you know, a head and tail standout. Um, in this comp at the moment. So that's going to play to their advantage as well. I love the comp. The comp at the moment is unbelievable. Well, I think the Roosters have shown what we probably would have thought, along with the Cowboys, who have gone the opposite way, that those two are the most talented sides. And 1-17 to 17 plus depth, I think they have yeah. everything there to go on and win. Melbourne, I look at still right now, and I bring up what I said last week. Slater basically hasn't played for Melbourne for 10 weeks because of injury and origin. 
Bromwich has basically not played half the season. Dale Finucane's been missing for over two months as well. Get it. Yeah. And five or six guys coming in, plus their third halves combination. So I'm looking at it right now at Melbourne. The kind of similar situation to the Roosters, probably not as talented, but I don't see cohesion yet. And I think the next four or five weeks, I'm just looking at Melbourne going, well, if they can pull something together and get a bit of flow here, who knows? But they've still managed to find their way to first. I look at the Roosters on the other end, and it's been a slow burn during the year and the interruption as well, but they're starting to find a bit of cohesion after all the interruptions in time. So I think Melbourne are a couple of steps behind, but the fact they found their way to first, I'm looking at these two right now, and yeah, I think it's pretty game. scary for everyone like the Dragons and South who have been ticking along we've all been talking about, that all of a sudden, just after the origin period, Melbourne and the Roosters have emerged, and Melbourne are on top of the comp. Yeah, for me, this is a big statement game this weekend for the Roosters because mm. I'm still I'm yeah. convinced, don't get me wrong, well, they... they but, most that definitely. game, that game was over after five minutes on the weekend. Oh. You could just tell that they were in a mood that if they wanted to keep that up, they would have won by sixty. I think Manly definitely contributed though, so they did. I'm not getting they too did. carried away. But, but it was Man- outstanding. Hang on a minute, Manly the week before lost to Melbourne by a point. Yeah, and they beat Penrith before that, so I'm not taking so, away. I don't know. Like, but then you look at that. But the you know, mentality the, of you that, look that at game. Penrith Warriors Broncos. They've all flogged each other in the last three weeks. So yeah. someone else, if you someone's got a crystal ball out there, let me know. I, yeah. It's very very unpredictable. Top eight. The bottom eight are just junk, all yep. of them, apart from probably oh, West. I think Tigers and Canberra. I don't think. Yeah, uh, they're not junk, but they've, but the they've contributed have, to their own downfall. They've blown too many, too many results, and the Tigers have kind of had a, a bit of a mid-season slump, and they've got players in now that have turned things around. But it may be too late. Yeah, that's the difference, I guess. But tackle three, uh, the Farrah Burgess thing. To be honest, a lot of people have carried on today. I've seen a lot of articles. I've seen bits and pieces. I don't know what your take is on it, but I don't have a huge problem with no, it. No, I wanted to talk about how good it was. I loved it. I loved it. I as thought well, it was. I thought the Tucker wanted a penalty. I think his shoulder hit him in the yeah, head. I, I thought it was special. incidental uh, contact. It was accidental. It was just part of the tackle. Yeah. Penalty sufficient. Um, and my point is... I just if- love the talk. And I heard a lot of people whinging about the fact nah. that, you know, you shouldn't hear that and well, yada, yada. Well... Microphones are on the field. Yeah, they want the microphones on the field or you don't. Yeah, you don't right. complain about what goes on on the field. Don't expect them to be... Angels out on the field because they're not. You're in their sanctum. If you want to, Correct. if you want to be in the lion's den, that's what you're going to get. If you don't want that, don't have microphones on the field. Plain yeah. and simple. But I go back to the point again. Like he said, he definitely did milk it. Why didn't you go for a HIA? Yeah, I, I don't mind a bit of gamesmanship. If they stay down, they should have to. I go I thought for it was HIA. a penalty, but if you got hit in the head, where was the HIA? They yeah. had five in the game, and I know they battled through and they were outstanding. But I looked at it and go, all right, well, if you're going to lay down, there should be no argument. And where was the doctor's interference from the sideline who review all the plays? Yeah. If you've laid down, they should be like, all right, get him off. He would, have, he would have passed the HIA there or not, but that 15 minutes would have affected the Tigers because they weren't carrying another nine. Yeah, I so I'm all for it. And I just think a lot of people out there, PC Brigade, give yourself a triple and smash your head on the table because some of the carry-on I've read about today is just ridiculous. And they've both played it down there fine with it. They've said the same thing they've said as players. Uh, heat of the moment, on the field, there's nothing wrong with Twainus and Burgess even said, well, you know, there's been a lot made of it, so I might have to just give him a call to check that he's all right. But there's no bad blood. No. So move it's on. on the field. Wake on up, the field, fairies. Man. Deal with it. They're competitive as hell. Exactly. Deal with it, fairies. Uh, point number four, and it's probably something I've taken a little bit for granted this year, the retiring crop of players and the amount of 300 gamers that are getting around. This is, I think, just a sign of the times, I guess, with sports science and this generation. But some of the players are going to be leaving us at the end of the season. Ryan Hoffman, Simon Mannering, Luke Lewis, Sam Thiday, Bo Scott, Peter Wallace has already left us, Jonathan Thurst, and then you've got Sutton on the weekend playing 300. Billy, who's already played his 300th Slater, and possibly we don't know if he's retiring. Thurston's played his 300th. Thiday's is upcoming. Mannering's is upcoming as well. Like, this is a, a hefty group of retirees that I guess I kind of looked at more nostalgic today because this is more the bread and butter of what I've grown up with, I guess. Similar, I guess, for you, but you you saw more of the early 90s or probably you know reminisce or look at that a bit more than I do. But mm. 
this is kind of a crop of players that have come through from my wheelhouse of 11, 12, 13, up until the point now where I'm 27, 28 years old. So yeah. it just seems that there's a there's a lot of very, very outstanding players moving on in one big clump. And um, yeah, just looking at yeah, the it's, yeah. it's probably a, a credit to them all that they've had such long careers. A yeah. credit also, I think, to how far the game's come in recovery. Uh, professionalism. Professionalism, just... yeah. To be able to stay on the field. Like a lot of these guys are going to tick that I have already ticked over 300 games or are going to get close to doing so. So, And I haven't mentioned I think Mannering, if Mannering plays every game for six the Warriors... Six or finals he's going to need. He needs he all six, or if he misses one, he's going to need him to be in the finals. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think Thido's only a couple off. JT got the one he needed at the start of the year. Billy Slater, I think, was same deal. Only needed one game, so Sutton yeah. got his on the weekend. Didn't um, they? Yeah, they let him down in that game, didn't they? Yeah, really? they're pretty disappointing. But yeah, I just still think, a, a fantastic achievement. First ever South player to do it. Too. Yeah, that's huge. It's a, he- a hell of a retiring crop though, and, and even like Lewis again the other night. Well, Luke there Lewis, thinking, I can remember um, he, I was on U10 work experience at Penrith Panthers in 2002. Mm. Yeah, 2002, and I was in the car with Luke Lewis, who was a year above me. I was in Harold Matthews, and he was a year young SG Ball. And Danny Galea, if, you, if people yeah. remember Danny Galea. We're in the car, getting driven around. We're all on work experience. You know, young kids. Young, yeah. young kids well, wanting to make a career in football. And I was now 12. Look, now you're looking at 16 years later and yeah. he's had one of the all-time great careers. He's a Clive yeah. Churchill medalist. He's won premierships at multiple clubs. He's played for Australia. Um, and he's one of the all-time nice guys. I don't, I don't really know him personally. Lukey Lewis, but from everything that you hear from people at Penrith, and you know, I don't hear a lot from people at Cronulla, but you never hear a bad word yeah. spoken about him. But so all those names in particular are standout characters, and I think I'm looking at it's like weird because Rep it's like my generation of players is now getting yep. towards that's, retirement. That's guess, weird, and yeah, I kind of grew up watching weird. more of them from the younger age. But mm. Hoffman, Manning, we're talking club captains, internationals, yeah. reps. Thiday, Peter yeah, Wallace, like Hoffman, Bo Scott, like Hoffman's all, all a guy these guys against at school. Footage. This isn't just random guys playing three hundred games. These are all international, state of origin level, club captain type players. Like it's mm. just a really solid group that I only just kind of looked at today when I saw another announcement of a retirement. Kind of thought, Jesus Christ, we're we're seeing a a, a complete generation, yeah, kind of go out the door. But um, congratulations to all in outstanding careers. But tackle five, the the Payne Haas contract, and a lot's been made of it, and I think a lot of people. I've got, I've got a question over it because I think there's a lot of hoo-ha on the sense of it's $3.4 million over six years and yes, 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 rah, rah. I don't agree with the amount if it's all up front. What but that's the thing that a lot of people don't know. Is there it's incentives to that $3.4 million? And I'm sure there would be from the Broncos. They've offered long-term who came security. Out, who came out and put that figure out? Uh, everyone's put the figure out. Exactly. It's horseshit. Who knows the figure? Everybody knows the fact that other clubs are in for it and they're saying Crop. that's what they made the offer. But I'm guaranteeing you for an 18-year-old kid, they wouldn't have guaranteed all that money. They'd this have, is what I like to call paper talk. That have layers around it for the reasons of exactly what's happened this year. He played a couple of games. Yes, he's a massive human being, but he's still growing. When you're growing, your ligaments, your bones, your muscles, everything stretches, you're more liable to injury, which is why he's out for the rest of the season currently with a shoulder reconstruction. He's only 18 years old. They've rolled the dice, but they've rolled the dice on the fact that if he hits KPIs like a lot of players have to, well, then he'll get rewarded with the money to keep a hell of a talented player up until the age of 24. So they're backing him to live up to his off-field, you know, character, his on-field ability, all his other traits. But what is his on-field and, ability? Have we seen enough of that? To well, give clearly they find huge... enough of that and the yeah, off-field character right. to make the investment. So but for I'd people make... to think they're naive enough that they're going to put, you know, $550,000 a year average, almost $600,000 contract out for somebody and guarantee it all. Well, they're not. Who said that? There Who was be... in the room no, when they signed the contract? This is the thing. So, numbers. look, 
I'd say two things. Number one, there's too many. When people come out and say, I know he's on this much, I know he's on that much. Well, firstly, you don't. Secondly, you don't know how much of that money is on the cap, how much of his third party. So therefore, anyone that acts like they know how much someone's on or how much someone's been paid, they're talking out their ass, unless it's the player or the manager who was in the room when the contract was signed. Mm. Second thing is, based on what I've seen of him, I, he's not worth what's been reported. No. No. However, I'm not there on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I haven't seen him come through the grades. So Brisbane, to me, are a fantastically well-run club. You look at the amount of junior talent they've got there at the moment, in the forwards in particular, they know what a good forward looks like. And if they're willing to pay that much money to lock him up and they value him uh, as much as what you know the contract says that they do, good luck to them. Yeah, who am I to question Brisbane and, and their smarts around recruitment? You know, if it was some other clubs, you would. Yeah, but I have no reason to question it, and I guess the proof is going to be in the pudding. Yeah. we're going to see. But it's plain and simple, like I'm saying. I highly doubt, and that's the whole thing. People jump up down that they wouldn't have put some targets in there. But for again, we don't know, and we, we're just repeating what we've said. Yeah. We don't know. And even if they have, and you're right. The other that, part was clubs gonna... would be mad to if they're going to guarantee that much money to him. They're fools. Yeah, and the other thing, and again, fresh off a shoulder, construction two games in. The other part of it was I was going to say again. People, I think, are naive to forget again. We are talking about a club with third party deals, so even if it is to that sort of value, they'd have part of that off the cap. So if you want to talk figures and how the salary cap is going, and a lot of people are going, how are they keeping all these players or why are other clubs going after them? Trust me, they're going after Sewer and all these guys. On the books, they're paying the same amount as any other club, but they bump their contracts up through third parties. That's how it works. People sit there going, I don't know, other clubs are stupid and not going for them. If you don't think clubs aren't going for Jaden Sewer, Tavita Pango Jr., et cetera, and Ozaka, which you've already heard, Roosters went after him. Look, he said this week he's spoke get to me Robinson. Don't on the salary count. Rabideau's already pulled out on sewer, but I'm just putting it out there. People are blowing up like, oh, how are they paying these figures? Well, again, targeting. It's the reason why parties. rich clubs sit at the top yeah. and the poorer clubs sit at the bottom. So I wouldn't be getting too out and of And that, you know, you look at the competition, they want to say it's close every year, it's close every year, but it's the same clubs up the top for most years. Well, like I said, if you've got it, good on them for locking it up. But I'm just read a lot today. I'm like, I don't know why everyone's freaking out for why they can't see the layers to it. Mm. I, I just don't get it. The last tackle I've got is exactly what I am enjoying about this year. Despite all the drama, I think the footy's been great. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, and the top eight for me, usually we're sitting here talking about 11 teams or 10 teams and people sliding in the bottom. But generally we're looking at two or three at the top and going, they're going to wipe everybody and none of this matters and it's all a bunch of hoopla. This year, despite the eight basically being settled, I know there's a slim chance for the Tigers and Canberra probably definitely gone now, but I'm looking at the eight, and I think this is possibly the best final series that we're leading into since I've been. I think it's the best final series since for probably 2010. Mm. And it refers... And that was a year where we had, um, I think it was a Titans-Roosters uh, preliminary final, and that was a toss-of-the-coin game. And you had a West Tigers-St. George-Illawarra Preliminary final, that was a toss of the coin game. And even the grand final that year was a toss of the coin game. So I think 2013 was a pretty good final series as well. With Manly, that was a Manly Roosters grand final. That was quite a good final series. Uh, we had a didn't the Roosters teams. dust Newcastle by like 40 in the week leading? Yeah, actually, it wasn't, it wasn't but Newcastle for the majority of that year looked as though they could win but it. Generally, what I'm getting is you don't really go in and go, these teams no. have beaten them under them or over them. There's two or three that stand out this year, like. The Broncos come out and smoke Penrith on the weekend. Who smoked the Warriors a couple of weeks ago? They're the Origin players. And then the Warriors smoked Brisbane after that. Cronulla have beaten New Zealand again, who beat the Broncos, who beat them. The Dragons are 1-1 one and one with Souths. The Storm have beaten the Roosters in an Origin-affected game, lost to the Dragons, belted the Warriors. Like, it's just, it's absolute pandemonium in the top eight. 
Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that they've all beaten one another. And we've seen Souths get rolled on the weekend. And we've seen more results again that are taking points off one another and throwing this into a log jam for the fact that one to eight are separated by four points. That never usually happens. Usually there's a clear-cut top four, maybe one spot open, and then there's a bunch of teams trying to jam in the bottom here looking at going, they're going to get knocked out week one anyway. Yeah. This year we're sitting there going, well, Christ, you could still make the top four from eighth right now if things work out. South just dropped first after winning nine in a row. You'd basically sit in there thinking they're minor premiership guarantees and all of a sudden they're not even first. Mm. The Dragons mid-season were looking like that team. Like it's, this top eight is fascinating. And every time I'd sit there and think that, oh, maybe this team can't win or maybe that, a result happens and I just sit here scratching my head going, well, I hope this continues. Because yeah. if so, it's going to be an outstanding final series. It will be, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, great football ahead. Hopefully, and there's games coming up over the next few weeks again that will have a direct effect on what happens. Mm. But uh, we'll move on now to our power rankings brought to you by Penrith Solar Center. Do you know it hurts more than your team going down in a nail biter? It's getting slapped with a huge bill than biting an owl's trying to pay it. Take back the power from the electricity companies and generate it yourself. The team at Penrith Solar Center are dedicated to providing you with the highest quality solar energy experience to make you and your family the big winners. Contact the team at Penrith Solar Center today on 1820-2930 to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season or visit their website, www.penrosolo.com.au. Tell them the fifth and last boys sent you. Boxhead, power rankings, number one, who you got? I've got South. Yep. I've stuck with South at the top. I've stuck with South and rightfully so. You win nine games in a row and you display what they have. We were saying that there was a down week coming and the Tigers came in red hot and they had that down week. So for now... I've got them there until they play Melbourne next week. That's a game that I want to... And I've held off for the same kind of reasons. Mm -hmm. Number two. Uh, I have the Dragons. I've held on the Dragons at number two also because they've had a rough period. They've never experienced this before. They had a solid win on the weekend. I thought their halves got back to playing some half-decent football and they play the Roosters this weekend, which will be a real judgment game. Yeah, that'll, that's going to determine where teams sit next next week in my power rankings, yeah. Number three. Uh, I have the Sydney Roosters. I have the Roosters also. They've jumped up those couple of spots. Great win on the weekend. All those players coming back in like we spoke of and that cohesion slowly looks like it's coming together. And they've still got Napa, Orbison and, and depth players that we've seen come in and out of the squad on the fringe there. They're pretty well set for this finals run, I think. Yeah. Number four. The Storm. Got the Storm as well. Uh, ticking along and I know they're number one, but still waiting for them to fire a real shot. And again, I'm not going to move heavily on them until the next few weeks when I see if Hughes is the final halves pairing and if they're going to push forward with Smith at nine controlling things and those two kind of running. And yeah, I think we're going to have an identical top five because we've got the Sharks. I do have the Sharks as yeah. well. Uh, no matter what anyone says every week, you can't convince me otherwise. They're a gritty, dirty football team. Uh, and come finals time, if it gets into a dogfight, they're more likely than just about anyone to win a game that is really, really close. I'll be interested to see who you got at six. I've got the Panthers. I've got the Warriors. Fair enough. I've given some mercy given the fact I think they've had a good run. I've been disappointed with the Manly result. The barely winning at Canberra, and then obviously the other night they just got absolutely sucker punched and didn't respond. But I think the talent that's in the group, uh, coming off the origin period, there's been a bit of a struggle, and there's a few young guys starting to show uh, a bit of the signs again of that struggle getting to the back end. But Yeah, I've got the Warriors firstly because I think they had such an impressive win against the Broncos the week before, and I think it was a really good loss against mm-hmm. the Storm on the weekend. There was a couple of close calls that went against them. To me, they didn't play their game either. They, they looked to be really tentative, wanting to play Melbourne style of game. But you look at the improvement from Anzac Day when they got absolutely lapped by Melbourne to mm-hmm. really getting down and looking as though they can compete in a different style of a game was impressive to me. So that's why I've got them at six. Yep, number seven for you. Number seven, I've got the Broncos. I've got the Broncos at seven. I know a lot of Broncos fans get a bit irky that listen to our show when they hear these kind of things. But 
Uh, regardless, we're up the other night. Uh, they're well, I can't put them above the Warriors. The Warriors spanked them. Then the that's week except, and I'm looking at all those teams above them. I think if they played Melbourne, who regardless of ever has uh, seemed to be form wise, always seemed to beat Brisbane. Well, you're going to you're going to put them ahead of the Warriors because you got the Warriors at eight. I've got um, the Panthers at eight. Fair enough. I've got the Warriors at eight. And the How only, do you have the Warriors at eight when they flogged the Broncos the week before? Well, Penrith dusted them a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And that was without their origin players. So I'm giving a little more leeway to the fact that I think Penrith have got some things and some bugs to work out after the origin period. Yeah. And they've just added well, I've two got, or three I've got guys. Because they've lost, I think, four of their last five. So I yeah. can't keep forgiving them. So for me, they're clearly like, they could win the comp Penrith. Yeah. But they could also get spanked by 50 like they did on the weekend. and. I, I don't know what to make of them at the moment. I, I said at the start of the year that I thought they'd struggle, and this is sort of the form that I expected. But I've, I've seen enough of Penrith this year hmm. for me to go, well, no, I think they can win it. But this goes back to my point that I seem to keep saying whenever we do the power, I can't work Penrith out. I can't work Penrith I out. I can't work them out. And there's plenty of teams I can't work out. The only one, two that I've kind of been sold on most of the year was South and the Dragons, but my criticism was that South seemed to have more knockout punches in them than I think the Dragons 1-13 to is good, but their bench right. isn't deep enough. So if you had a gun to your head right now, out of that, out of our eight, which would you be comfortable to say that you think can win the comp? The Roosters. No, I, no, I mean pick, pick how many you think could win the comp. I think Storm, Dragons, Rabbits, Roosters, Sharks, for me, could win the comp. Panthers, Broncos, Warriors, I think in the last three weeks have all proved why they're you can't trust them because they've all got spanked at some point over the last three weeks. I'd probably still go with at least six of the teams and I'd have Penrith in there given that, again, we're talking best day. Uh, I still think Brisbane... Re- haven't Cronulla? They've, they've snuck under the radar in the fact that they they haven't really had their best side out there. Really. It's not like taking a jab, but obviously you didn't agree with me earlier in the year that I've been big on the Sharks and I always sort well, of I haven't, am. I haven't been... I'm still not big on them, no. but I haven't been off them, but, but I've can't. just sort of been plodding along, but I'm like, well, they have snuck under the radar. I, I still think a lot of people just discount like, some players that they just don't... Like a lot of people rip into Chad Townsend. I think he's as steady as what you want for that side. I think people forget Wade Graham's barely played all year. I also think Valentine Holmes has formed... Developed into a great fullback. Ramian, Katoa, like there's bits and pieces that have slowly worked their way in that have improved their side. But the big piece for me was Graham bounces out Moylan. He takes some responsibility off him. He makes that left edge better. Holmes and Moylan have developed a better combination. And Townsend, like I said, he gets none of the plaudits, but he pushes them around the field. He kicks well. He does his job. So I think they're pretty steady. I really do. Yeah. But more than anything, no one else wins a dogfight better than Cronulla or no, takes it into shitville better than Cronulla. I agree. And it's an outstanding attribute to have come finals time. Yeah. So there's your power rankings brought to you by Penrith Solar Centre. We'll jump in now to our reviews of the games from the weekend brought to you by the Nepean Boltmaster. They are your complete fastening system supplier with their main office located at Penrith covering more than 1,500 square metres and a second branch at Seven Hills with over 300 square metres of warehouse. They boast the largest range of fasteners and associated products not only in the region but throughout the state. There is a lot more to the Boltmaster though than just fasteners. You'll also find industrial and engineering products, abrasives, hand and cutting tools, lifting materials, handling products, safety and cleaning products, paints, and general hardware items. The PM Boltmaster provides total needs sourcing packages for all trades associated with construction, engineering, and all industry segments. So if you're a tradesman like myself, get onto the Boltmaster, sort out your tools, all your supplies, all your stock, look no further than was and the boys there. www.nepbolt.com.au or check them out on Facebook. Uh, first game from the weekend, we had the Dogs and the Eels, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time of this uh, on, on this game, unfortunately for their fans. It was an awful game of football. I thought the Dogs started the better of the two and had that effort there, and they just offloaded the football and looked to break Parramatta down. But as the game went on, 
they seem to revert back to structure, block, block, boring, basic bullshit and fell apart. And why Parramatta, I didn't think, were overly impressive themselves. They seemed to go the opposite way. They got more intent, just played hard, pushed their way up the field. They scored two very ugly tries. I thought Kaiser Pritchard did a really good job straightening up their forward pack. And Tepo Amaroa uh, and Nathan Brown in particular are two guys I thought played like man-possessed. But it's very clear to see why they're at the bottom of the ladder. Let's put it that way. I thought they were both pretty poor, but Parramatta, I definitely thought, were the better of the two sides. Do you want me to make a comment on this game? If you want to. The, both teams are bad at football. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree They're with that. bottom four teams. It was a, one of the worst games I've watched all season. Yep. And I think the less we say about it, the better. Yep. Well, like I said, I'll just give raps to say, people probably get sick of hearing it, but Josh Jackson, David Clemmer, and I think Hopper in particular, I have to give credit for their efforts. And Martin and a couple of these guys come in and admirable jobs. Yeah. Few have been re- rewarded with contracts that yep. they deserve, but they're going to be needed to patch up things while they're going through this transition period, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, no offense to Lachlan Lewis. He's a solid footballer. I've watched him play plenty of cup, but again, I don't think he gets to play in RL if he's not at the Bulldogs. He's a developing first grade, so yes. Hopefully he does develop into what is a solid first grade, like Marshall King seemingly has, but I look at them as more squad players, more than guys that should be playing you know, week in, week out in RL. But that's the situation that they're in at the moment, unfortunately. No, the Bulldogs. Uh, Parramatta, Nathan Brown, massive game. Uh, Tepo Morale, like I said, I don't know if there's a contract coming up or anything. No offense to him, but he had a huge game and I've been waiting to see more because this is a guy I think a lot of people forget burst in on 18 years old and Brad Fittler and other people mentioned him after City games as being an origin representative. We're almost five years down the track and I've barely seen a lip. So uh, those guys were good. And, and Pritchard, mm. said it a million times, he tackles with his face but you can't question his heart and effort. When he's in that side, he plays direct, he plays hard. Okay, that's enough. So there you go. Cronulla, and the Raiders. Uh, We've done a lot of this, haven't we? Poor old, we didn't really talk about the game, but poor old Canberra. No, again, the fans out there, you might be disappointed, but you don't deserve to be in the finals. I know that game you were cost the other night, but you don't yeah, get... But you don't get cost one a couple of weeks ago, weeks before that. With I get that, class. but what I'm, no, but what I'm, I'm saying, saying is like, don't bitch and moan about one. No, forget one, that yeah. though. You lost eight or nine games that, by less that's than six what I'm points. Saying. So you you've had more than that. ample opportunity mm. to find your way into the finals. And I... I that may have been the straw that broke the camel's back. I will give Ricky Stewart absolute credit for the way he handled things. I thought he was outstanding the other night mm. in his press conference. I thought he was just going to go off on a massive tangent. But uh, this game obviously did literally go against you. But your first half didn't warrant a win in this game. You, 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 I'm not saying you didn't deserve the chance to get back in it. But 22-6 at half time, that left edge was absolutely disgusting. I thought this was a game of the round. I thought it turned out to be the game of the round. But after it. the first half at 22-6, I thought Canberra are gone. Mm. But they came out. Sharks made an error early. They scored straight away off Blake Austin playing direct and offloading to Leilua. Leilua crashed over again not long after because the Sharkies for that first 10 minutes just gave away errors and penalties and gave them possession. And before you know it, we're 22-18. And I'm just sitting there dumbfounded. As you said, when Canberra get possession in football, no one is more dangerous rolling down the field when they get a good glide of it and they have control. But yeah, It's leaked like a sieve. Then we obviously reached that breaking point when we had the Katawa try and uh, the whole bunker debacle. That we spoke of, and later on again, they'll deny it off that forward pass, which clearly forward wasn't. Pass, and also at the end there, where Hodgson raked that ball out, that was a 50 50 that could have gone either way, right at the end of the game. Yeah, so, so I, they, I, yeah, they cop some shit calls, the Raiders, but I feel their pain. But again, I, I'm not looking at just this me, one game. That was one try that they got gifted, Cronulla, but still, Canberra conceded 22 other points. That's probably too many. Well, 22 6 at half time is basically getting that. It's the story of the whole season. Yeah. And you've had plenty of close games to drag things back. They need to defend better than what they have, and yeah. that's the reason why they're outside the eight. The and, Lua, and discipline, obviously. Yeah. The Leilua-Austin edge again struggled. Old field first game in the centres for a long time. I don't understand homes. how that edge doesn't get better. It just doesn't get better. The, the problem's there, and it's not getting fixed. 
I've been saying it for years, haven't I, that the in particular the edge defense is absolutely terrible. But Oldfield got exposed by Holmes, who was absolutely outstanding again. Wade Graham, again, unspoken because he's been injured for the most part of the year, how much of a difference he makes to that side. He brings another element to that left edge that just takes a bit of pressure off Matt Moylan. Tell you what he is. He's the modern Luke Lewis. He is. And he's that guy, again, six skill set, toughness of a back rower, hard edge and willing to take the football. Ball plays, kicks. But, yeah, the crash over try he got at halftime from dummy half kind of summed up for me why. Where at the end of the day, I was like, well, Canberra's season's just been yeah. up and down and close games going against them. They didn't deserve to go out like this, but uh, what can you say? The same player, though, that most weeks to me just I kind of just marvel at because of the turnaround is Jordan Rapana. He was going to be out for the year, it seemed, after that hamstring injury. And a couple of years ago, he was on the scrap heap at the Brumbies, got a free trial at Canberra, had a Barry Crocker of a year, went to the World Cup for the Cook Islands and dropped a match winner over the line. I looked at him and thought, Jesus Christ, this guy's just falling apart from his times you know, mm. at the Gold Coast and what looked like a bright future. And what he's turned into the last couple of years, on his best day, he's, he's I'm probably happy to say, the best winger in the comp on his best day. Well, yeah, he's, hard to argue with that. And they've got Kotrick, and there's a lot of good wingers in the competition, but on his absolute best day, I don't think there's anyone with more influence. He joined in on backline sweeps. He ran at fullback. Dummy half, scoot, clean up the middle, tackle breaks, offloads. Like he just, he's the ultimate package on his day, and he's always there. And he runs with violence, and I like that about Jordan Rapano in particular. Leilua brought one of his better games, had a much better mental attitude towards the game. I thought he was good, and Hodgson as always. But, yeah, for the Sharks, Holmes, uh, Wade Graham, for feet, I thought was good in his first hit. And then they're getting what they needed. They're getting what they need out of Woods or what the dogs needed out of Woods off the bench, which is a very handy pickup for this time of the year. Yeah. Broncos, Panthers, uh, we basically spoke of that. So don't listen to the game companion, but it doesn't lead a lot of excuses, uh, a reasoning. They were blown away. Errors, penalties in the first half. I think it was five errors, six penalties. They had no ball. The ruck was blown apart. They exposed Luai at the back with some of the kicks they put in. Maloney missed 11 tackles and had an absolute Barry Crocker and was super ill-disciplined. And Tevita Pengai Jr. only lasted 25, 30 minutes on the field, but his stint was absolutely outstanding how damaging he was. Yeah. Um, but... Penrith were blown off the part and they had absolutely no answer. Errors, discipline, and they backed zip. them on top of each other and, yeah, the first half. It was 18 all second It was half, over. 30, 32 zip and yeah, half time. Second half was 18 all, so. Yeah. But the game was gone. Yep, they left it And Penrith late. did that all to themselves, basically. And you can't take any credit away from Brisbane. They were fantastic. No. But Penrith gifted them a lot of it and Brisbane were ruthless. Oh, savage. Ruthless. Ford pack was brilliant. Offhand Gowie, Lodge, and like I said, Pangai's stint was Absolutely outstanding. That's, that's a really, really good sign for Brisbane. That, mm. You know, when they are giving... And you're not going to get many games like that, Broncos fans, where you're gifted that many opportunities, but you've got a side yep. there that just knows how to take advantage of them mm. when they get them. So that's that's a really good sign. Milford's confidence, as we spoke about last week, seems to be getting better and better. He was on the ball. He ran. He came up with some kicks to challenge Luai and caught him out. Uh, Nick Arim obviously had one of his better games running. Took a couple of intercepts as well. This swap for Boyd and Azarko brings an element that I think we've been waiting for or talking about that needed to happen. We yeah. didn't see as much of it the other night because they were so dominant, just rolling downfield that there wasn't a lot of set pieces or plays that he needed to get involved with, but I still like the move, and I think it's smart moving forward because Boyd in centre, less workload, better on his hamstring, smart player defensively, and he's got one of the best catch passes in the game, which really suits that role. So yeah. um, I think there was nothing but positives for Brisbane moving forward out of the other night's game. They ticked a lot of boxes couple of smart changes and halves and forward pack particular outstanding for the pennies uh, I thought Peach was awesome but too late for his introduction I thought Kikau was good as well plenty of damage as always and I thought Nathan Cleary's second half when he seemed to get more control of the team uh, that he was very very good as well but 
it comes back to kind of what I said before. For all the talents that is there, I still don't think those two have gelled together, even at origin level nor at club level. I think you've got two dominant halves who have to find a bit of balance. Agree. I think they look better, honestly, when Nathan takes control of the team because he's nowhere near as erratic as James Maloney. And we saw the other night, like we said before, when things are good with James Maloney, they're good. But when they're bad, 11 missed tackles, multiple penalties. and That's the worst game like, I've seen him have in a very long time. But he's had a couple of them, and he can dish that up. So Not that bad. They, they need to find more Sorry. balance. And I think the other thing, the sides of the field thing I hate. James Maloney and Mitchell Pearce, that year they won the comp, we spoke about how good it was seeing Harves and Lincoln play together. Maloney especially needs to be able to play both sides of the field. These two need to link together. And yeah. I think I'll take some, like we've all got raps on Nathan, but I think Nathan himself, he's more of a game manager than, say, a Maloney, who's a little bit, bit more freestyling, but I think he needs to take a little more ownership and step up here and take a little bit of the rain off James Maloney. Uh, and I think Penrith made a mistake that if he was still injured, that they exposed Luai at fullback, should have put Atkins in who had a great debut and had Luai and Cleary together in the halves. They played together in the juniors. That would have been much more beneficial to give Maloney that extra week and not expose the kid in, at NRL level at fullback and it bit him on the ass. Yeah. Crichton also had a Barry Crocker, I thought. And Mansour's back. I don't know if Dallin's back this week, but I dare say that Crichton might find himself pushed out maybe mm. uh, in some capacity if they have Atkins, Dallin, Mansour, all those guys back on deck to squeeze in there or if not Peachy go there and fire into the back or whatever it's got to be but I think Crichton may find himself on the outer heading into the final side of things Newcastle Titans 30 to 24 and I think the easiest way to sum this up is very tough by the Knights but just poor by the Titans to not be able to close that game out no they by 14 and you'd had a bet on uh, the Titans and a lot of boys that, that were at our place had a lot of had all had a money on the Titans and again they proved why they're just can't get out of their own way. Like no. There's a lot of things that the Titans have against them, no doubt, but a lot of the things that have gone against them this year have been their own fault. So I, as a Titans fan, I've got zero, absolutely zero um, sympathy for the situation that they find themselves in. Well, I've got zero sympathy because 14-point lead, when Brimson went off, that shouldn't have been enough to derail them because if Ash Taylor's a million-dollar man and everything he's cracked up to be, he should have taken control and iced that game. And if anything, he helped. Origin talk's just thrown him. Ah, to it's the point where he's though. playing now like a reserve grader. But that's part of being a first grader. Deal not, with expectations. I'm not defending you. No, I know that. I'm but just I'm just saying. saying like, for people are making excuses again, this is like the bullshit that I heard before about... To me, oh, I understand why they paid him the money that they paid him. I get it. Because we needed to keep him. If, if we didn't have him, you know, it'd be LG and Brimson and, it'd, you know, not not that that's a bad thing. Well, I still don't think I do see the upside. Credit. Yeah, no, he's playing fantastic. I do see the upside in Ash Taylor. I do see it. But this year, he's let me down in that faith. So it's a massive off-season coming up for Ash Taylor. Um, and it's a big, huge off-season for Garth Brennan. Well, huge gonna, off-season. I've got to put it back out there again. Brimson's still not locked up, and I don't know how. And the fact there was talk of bringing Tyron Roberts back, if you want to push this kid out, you need, they're going to need to do something soon as far as I'm concerned. To, well, we know LG's leaving. They're going to let him know, though, that he's either going to be the one for Gordon long-term, which he played more in the 20s or the 6, mm-hmm. if Tyron Roberts is coming back, or at least give him some security being the 6. Because I tell you what, there's a team out there right now that I'm going to bring up, uh, the Canberra Raiders, who aren't looking to spend a whole mozza, but they've definitely got enough money to get Brimson. And they've and got I'm looking at Caesar, pinching Titans players. But looking at Caesar, that's the perfect partner for him. He's a guy who just runs the football, plays outside. He's not going to steal the limelight, but you know damn well he's going to do his job. Yep. And he's a tough footballer. And he's got what I call Brent Tate syndrome. He always looks angry when he runs and when he tackles. But he plays well above his weight, and he's he's really developing nicely. Yeah, I, I agree. They need to they need to lock him up. And there's a couple of clubs out there that could do with him. So uh, their goal line defense is to shit. 
the, the, yeah, the, yeah. the tries that Barnett got good on him for running hard lines. And that's that's something that hasn't changed across coaches. We've said it a million times. Cartwright, under Cartwright, it was ordinary. Under Henry, it was ordinary. Under Brennan, it's ordinary. Yep. And just that kind of, again, top end not delivering. you got Taylor, who's on the massive money, and you've got the 20s kid who's coming who's playing better than him. And when he goes off the field, all of a sudden there's but a 14-point slide. Monetary values don't mean anything I get that, the field. but you want your bigger players to deliver. Get and then it. you've got Pete's on the bigger contract, and Reigns come up there for an opportunity. He comes on, makes two line breaks, sets up a try, and has more of an effect on it. So we're talking about two guys that are origin level or heading there, taking up these massive chunks of money, and then you've got your bit players kind of coming on and delivering for you. Like The only real consistent heartbeat week to week for them is Ryan James and Jai Arra. And obviously Keegan Hipgrave shows his bits and pieces, but they're even their edges. We've spoken a million times how poor they are, yet they've locked up Branko Lee and they're trying to underva- undervalue Don now apparently oh, because God. of his age and his injury history. I'm like, well, Don's been one of the most consistent, whether I'm not a massive fan or not. And then they've signed Copley, who's conceded more tries last year than that left edge and is still struggling. So you're trying to fix up a problem and you're kind of signing guys that are still part of the problem in your edge defence mm. and I read about the signing for some of those guys and a lot of the fans weren't happy about them being re-signed yeah. so uh, strange but yeah Garth Brennan has got a massive off-season coming up like you said as does Ash Taylor Newcastle great development Mitchell Pearce again steering things Connor Watson looks much more stable of football with a solid half there for him to just probe and run and I still think fullback's his best spot but he created a late try there and Denny Levi uh, Nathan Brown threw it out there that he was a typical kind of 20s player. Good player on his own, but not for the team. But yeah. the last few weeks, there's been some really good signs that he's learning his craft a bit more. Set up two critical tries, still showed his running game. So there's some good signs there in their spine moving forward. And, um, I dare say he's going to get a better crack at that now, seeing Slade Griffin has had a, yet another massive knee injury. So next year, moving forward, this looks to be the spine with Ponga there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but those young forwards, Fitzgibbon coming back, they missed him. He's a great footballer. Barnett, Daniel Safidi. Tigers South, 22 to 6, and I just have to give full credit to the Tigers in this situation. South had 60% of the ball. They had the penalty count 12 6, but the Tigers were the Tigers of the first few rounds. They were just relentless defensively. They gave them absolutely nothing. They challenged them. Uh, they got them to knock up a bit. They niggled, and they just backed themselves and challenged South to come beat them, and they couldn't do it. Um, and the other thing that even more impressed me, again, goal line defense, giving away those penalties, just refusing to back down and getting them stirred and five HIAs in the game, blokes going off left, right and centre and it just didn't affect them. No matter who came on or what changes happened, they stuck at it for 80 minutes and told South that they're basically going to have to claw it from their dead bearing hands and they couldn't do it. They played tough. They played real tough and they've now beaten, uh, they've got two very, very impressive wins in the last two weeks and they're looking ominous. They've obviously got to do a little bit in the last six. They've probably got to win five of them to get in. Uh, and who's to say they can't? They've just beaten and first and second on the ladder. Plus results we're still waiting on, obviously, but they no, just have I think to keep if winning. They win, if they win five or six, they'll get in. Um, well, you think Brisbane, Penrith or the Warriors will drop Yeah, I think three one, of those, one of those sides will go three and three, I think. Fair enough. Well, then it'll come down to four. But, but yeah, like you're relying on that, obviously. But mm. you know, So I just keep winning. Think, they... I tend to think one of them may go three and three there, but I don't, I don't know that. But, I mean, West Tigers certainly can't sit back thinking, well, none of those teams are going to lose. So No, and I think they've shown that the last two playing. weeks yeah. by beating I mean, the two top teams that they're not either, Yeah, you're just going to rattle teams and get some good wins and finish a year off strongly. Um, you know, that, that, that comes back to their position in the top eight comes back to a call that Ashley Klein made out at Campbelltown Stadium. Shoot, we've said if it many times. Yeah, they'd be even right now. 
they'd be even with the Broncos. And they blew a couple of games when they, you know, middle of the year there, which is just on them as a team. They and could look, be in a better as, position. As a season, Brisbane have been better than West Tigers, yeah. I, I think. But full credit I, to... I don't think Brisbane have really beaten any of those top echelon sides like West have. West have beaten Melbourne twice. They've beaten St. George and beaten South Sydney. Pretty good wins. Yeah. Brisbane have beat the Sharks, but off of, you'd say a forward pass. Uh, they've lost to Melbourne twice. I mean, the, the high, Roosters, the they beat the wins. Roosters, didn't they, in that controversial game again where Napa got binned right at the end there. Yeah. So there's, there's been a couple of results. They beat South. They did beat Brisbane South. Did, yeah. Yeah. So they've got oh, a couple okay. of wins. Yeah. But I'll take that back. I don't know. I think if you want to talk about consistency for the year, the Tigers started red hot and then lost, you know, 9 of 11 or something like that. So yeah. if you want to Brisbane talk... Brisbane have been fairly... Well, they've been more consistent across much the Much more stable. Rooms, yeah. But I applaud Ivan, Ivan Cleary, like we yeah. said. He addressed weaknesses, made moves to get... Uh, Moses Mbai and Robbie Farrow and as much as like I said I got past credit yeah. on the points uh, boards with Robbie Farrow those guys have made a difference to their team and yeah. I think Benji uh-huh. Marshall is much better partner for Luke Brooks than Josh Reynolds is and gives him stability and he was great again on the weekend as well Luke Brooks on the back of having Benji back there with him Spine was great I said last year that I was disappointed Esau Masters didn't get more football and he got it when Ivan Cleary got to the club and I said at the start of this year that I thought he was a premier centre in the game and on the weekend he proved again why he put on an absolute masterclass. And we talk about Latrell Mitchell from a New South Wales and Australian side of things. I think if we're talking about a premier back line kind of player for New Zealand who made his debut this year, Jermaine Azarko is looking like a great future player for the New Zealand kind of setup as well in international football. But Esau Masters, to me, um, he's one of the best centres in the comp and will be playing for the Kiwis for a long time to come with the football he's just played. Mm, he was great on the weekend. So uh, good win by the Tigers. For South, they threatened through Cook, as always, and Cody Walker, but they blew some opportunities. I thought Crichton had a couple of errors there. Sam got kind of caught up in it. Um, the Tigers just, just rattled their cage a bit. So good starting point, and as we all know. Generally, when you lose a game like that, you get back to basics, you watch the video, and you go back to doing the little one percenters that probably South have slowly dropped off when you start winning those games and things get a bit easier. And I'm sure they'll be hammered this week in video. Yeah. It's, you know, they've won nine in a row previous to that. Yeah. So. Great effort. Dragons, Cowboys, uh, ugly game. Ugly game, but I'd say what just what the Dragons needed. Just a solid win. Ford Pack got the job done. I thought the halves, particularly Hunt, found a bit more confidence. He started running the football again. He had a hand in a couple of those tries. Dufty looked great, and they picked on who you'd expect to pick on. They picked on Jonathan first, and they exposed him a couple of times, especially Dufty. They went after Clifford when he pushed up from fullback into the front line and they at other edge, and they scored on him. Uh, the Cowboys gave them a bit of a scare when they got a bit ill-disciplined at one point. They're the Dragons. They obviously had the the penalty goals and then the soft try from dummy half when DeBellin was binned, but uh, they closed things out nicely in the second half. They found a couple of tries in a row. Uh, like I said, those halves were good. Thought McInnes and, and Dufty, etc., all kind of showed some better wares. And the kid on debut, Jordan Pereira, taking a couple of years. He's one of those guys that's grinded away. He played up Q Cup. He's played down here, went 16 tries in 16 games. Uh, scored on debut, I thought he had a good showing as well. But the Cowboys, it's just sign of their season, basically. Any chance they had in that game, they, they never looked likely. And they spent the last 30 minutes throwing the kitchen sink at them but couldn't come up with points. Yeah. Ordinary. Felt had one knocked out. Uh, I think Tamari Martin dropped one running through. There, there was there was a few opportunities there, but they just, they just couldn't get anything out of it. Jeez, I never thought I'd say this, but it's a big six games for Jonathan Thurston's legacy. Big six games coming up. I think it's a big six games for a lot of blokes up there full stop moving forward next year because yeah, the mail geez. right now, like I said, this isn't just mail. Everybody knows about it. Nene McDonald's from up Queensland and so is Valentine Holmes. He's the most obvious one. Lachlan Coote's definitely gone. They're trying to push other blokes out, O'Neill, et cetera. 
Winterstein's not going to be off another contract. They're going hard right now to try and get Nene and Holmes up there. They're trying to do a flip very quickly to join in with McLean next year, Tamalolo, etc. Yeah, that'd be huge. I, I, my point of view, and I said a couple of weeks ago, just keep playing the kids. I don't know why you would bring Mitch Dunn in and out or Clifford back in and out now. Play them. Keep playing an Ari Tawala. If there's anyone else there, Shane Wright, any one of those young guys, they need to play football. Your season's yeah, done. A different, difficult position in the fact that they've got to keep Thurston there for six games, even though he's struggling. Well, Tamara Martin, to me, yeah. I'd play him either at one or as the bench utility um, and keep Clifford in the halves. Clifford's your future moving forward with Morgan. I'd, I'd be giving him more game time. Yeah, the fact that Morgan's injured is probably a blessing in disguise, really. Yeah, it gives him an opportunity to keep playing those guys, but... Uh, Dragons, any like again, I don't know why the one team that got targeted because of what happened in previous years that they've got the jitters and all of a sudden Penrith no. uh, only just starting to get talked about when they've had a shakier month, I think, given uh, results. So, uh, yeah. solid win. Storm Warriors uh, looked ominous early on when Melbourne scored so easily in the second minute and it was a really nice ball laid on by Jerome Hughes, but it didn't turn out to be the kind of game I thought it was. It was a bit of a grind. I thought both teams were erratic and they had chances, Billy Slater in particular, Made a couple of errors, and on the flip side of that, the Warriors obviously had some chances and made some of their own, but the difference for me was Smith. Smith controlled things. He kicked a lot more and had a lot more control, as was expected, having a halves pairing of Hughes and Munster, which is a bit more running and attacking. Uh, they were a bit erratic at times, but end of the day, they just defend really, really well, don't they, in those kind of games. And I know mm-hmm. Stephen Kearney wasn't happy with a couple of decisions. He wasn't happy. And rightfully so. They got a few wrong. But yeah. I thought they got a couple wrong for Melbourne as well. And well, Melbourne pushing the envelope in the ruck, probably. But well, again, that's on the refs. The Warriors, um, the Warriors just fell into a Melbourne style of game. Yep. Yeah, I, I think if you put the Warriors out there that played up at Suncorp Stadium against that Melbourne team, they'd blow them away. I think they win. Yep, it would blow you know, them And how much of that is Melbourne's ability to be that boa constrictor and make you play that way? And they're you know they're a different style of a team to come up against. Get that. Um, but I, I'd really like to see some teams play football on Melbourne. I'm not sure you have to. this year whether they're... Yeah, I mean, years gone past, I think you sort of got, had to get in the grind and play footy. Sort of that mix that Cronulla found when they were able to beat them in the in the grand final. But this year, to me, they look a team that you could... I think they're going to struggle when a team just goes, nah, fuck this, we're going to play footy today. Well, we copped it against the Dragons earlier in the year from that exact thing. They blew yeah, our ruck yeah. apart. They changed the point of attack. They didn't let Melbourne slow the ruck down, and they found love yeah. on the edges and coming back to the middle by, by changing the point of attack. But and who's moving. taken that game plan and and they, they should yeah. because you never want to run back into the middle of Melbourne constantly, and I felt the Warriors just wanted to play into the hands of Melbourne. If you're going to keep playing in the ruck, they're generally going to win the battle. Yeah. If you want to move the point they're of attack. They're the most disciplined, apart. structured, robotic team in the comp Melbourne. And they'll just tackle, tackle, tackle. They won't give away penalties. They'll complete. They'll kick. And the Warriors just look like they want to do the same thing and beat them at their own game. And it was, to me, it was silly. I thought Hughes was solid for his first showing at seven. He didn't do anything wrong. He was good, yeah. Um, But I'd look at him and go, well, I think the worrying thing for me is I think Melbourne had more, you know, enough ball to score more points. So I think again though, you got to look at it. That's the first time everyone's kind of been back on the field. So I'm I'm not going to judge off one week, but when we're Three Six or weeks to go, so there's a bit of time to build. By around 22, 23, when it's been three or four games, if all these guys are healthy and on the field together, now post-origin, Bromwich, Finucane coming back, and things aren't working, uh, I think he has to go to Croft for the last couple of games. But See, I don't understand why they don't have Croft there now. If they want, I think if they want to win the comp, they need to have Croft at seven. That's my opinion. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that side of things. But the Warriors are losing green, obviously hurt. I'm hearing Tohu Harris is going to be back two or three weeks earlier than expected next week. From his meniscus tear, he would have been handy. But uh, Carter got close, obviously the double movement. 
They weren't happy about Ken Marmolo's drop ball from a head high. And then they said it was a strip. I thought he wasn't held because the player fell off. So when he got up to play it, I thought he was right to go back in. But was the initial contact a little bit high? Probably. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're not going to get those calls right all the time. And I, I thought it was pretty ugly, but it was two points at the end of the day. But Sheck and Marmolo in particular for the Warriors, I thought were outstanding. Sheck's been out just great this season. But that yardage work from those outside backs. Marmolo on that charge back where he bulldozed poor Drome Hughes like, Dear God, he's a scary sight when he's in full flight. Yeah. Melbourne, Bromwich good. Uh, getting a couple of games back under his belt. thought Felice was actually really, really good as well, yeah. along with Smith and, and Hughes. The last game of the round, 56-24. to 24, It was just embarrassing for Manly. They turn up with a completely different mentality to the team that we saw digging against Melbourne the week before and the side that come to Penrith with you know a debut hooker and a bunch of kids and, and win there. And You just don't know what you're going to get week to week. Um, I, I kind of thought they'd come out there and already really had a, a poor mentality and had quit very early on that game. And the only kind of guys I could give credit to are the same ones as always. The Jaboyevich brothers were good. thought Marty Tapow and Joel Thompson, a few of those guys had the effort, but there was a lot of guys out there that honestly, uh, they were just waiting for the buzzer to go. And Sydney, the Roosters just busted them. That eight line breaks after 20 minutes, that forward pack just shredded them. Jared Rhea Hargraves has found that form that we've been waiting to see again after that ACL and probably been you know a bit flat for 18 or so months. Latrell Mitchell had a field day. Tedesco just fed off how the rut worked. And Jake Friend found the player from two years ago. The vision was back. Pass selection, kicking game, running. He played direct. There was nothing silly about him. He was just up the guts and to the point. And uh, If anything, Robinson was disappointed with, it was the defensive effort. They let a couple of soft tries in, which can happen when you have such a big lead and you, you're kind of just waiting for the game also to end when you when you know you've got the result in the bag. Yeah. yeah. So. They were dominant. Manly were poor. This was boys versus men, like Barrett described it in the press conference. So, yeah, I, I look at that game and think the scoreline flooded Manly. Yeah, and again, I think defensively because the Roosters probably, you know, were, were a bit lackluster, a bit flat because they were so dominant in that game, could have probably tightened things up a little bit themselves. Uh, they bombed a couple of tries as well. Tupo bombed one early. Tedesco dropped one from an inside pass. So it, it could have been much worse, there's no doubt about it, but... You could, I could keep saying names, but they were all very, very good. Yeah, they were all outstanding. Tokyo, Cordner, friend got. Yeah, stop saying names. Yeah, it's, it's pretty ominous, and hopefully we see a better sign this week in a real, genuine test against a top eight side in uh, the Dragons. So, looking forward to it because early in the year that Anzac Day game started off uh, a, a pretty good game of football, but obviously at the back end of it, the Dragons ran away with it, and we saw that Rooster side that we were kind of questioning whether they had the tools moving forward or. That kind of cohesion by this point in the season, though, uh, hopefully we're going to see, uh, you know, much more uh, of the positive side of them. And Cooper Cronk's still developing. I thought Kiri's been the more dominant. Friends in a better state. Tedesco's in a better state. But with all those guys firing in the forward pack doing their job, it should be an awesome game of football. Absolutely. There you go. On to our fan questions for the night, and we'll kick off with some of these ones on Facebook. And the first one we got here is Ben Fisher. What can we do as fans to make a statement to the NRL to show that the refereeing fast is not acceptable? Not a Raiders fan, but I was furious watching that game. Could not think of any meaningful way to use my voice. Email. Email Todd Greenman. I'm pretty sure he can get his email address on either Twitter or the NRL website. Just hammer him, basically. Uh, people oh, I don't him. think you should abuse him or no, speak like that. a dickhead. Hammer him with email, like yeah, just like content. Send him an email and articulate what you want to say. Don't be a bonehead and just abuse him. You're not going to get anywhere with that. I I just think a lot of people are like that. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ah, oh, fucking abuse him. Yeah, no. Like, you're going to get nowhere with it. At least be articulate and give him reasonable suggestions. I think yeah. you'll take him on board. Constructive, but in masses. If yeah. you're, everyone sends the same thing through, then something's going to have to be done eventually. And yeah. again... Where, this rugby league commission or supposed thing, where, what, what are they oh, doing? Oh, they're absent. I, I just, I don't get that a lot of the time in a lot of areas of the game. Dylan Smith, why is Brad Fittler never in conversations around being an immortal? Greatest, greatest player ever. Not the greatest player ever. He's my favourite player ever. Yeah, I um, don't he'd have to He'd have to be in and around the immortal conversation. I still think, again, when you're looking at some of the guys playing now and, and a Lockyer and a, a few more from his generation. To me, he was, to me, he was almost the equal of Lockyer. Oh, I don't know. I think, I think he's a very good footballer, but I think Lockyer had a pretty exceptional career. Uh, Jason Lamley, remember last year there was talk of Casey Badger getting a running in a first grade match. Um, surely, with all the whinging about refs, giving her a run in first grade would be a good look for the game. I don't think we're looking for a good look in the game. I, it wouldn't matter if she refed the game for the sake of it because she's a female. She if she, if right. she stuffed up or did something wrong as well, it'd make no difference they'd whether she's a female yeah. or not. So. And then they'd be saying, oh, it's because she's a woman. Like, it, I don't think gender comes into it. Yeah. I don't care what his or her name is, just get the best ref set. And stay out of the way. That They're being overcoached, overflooded. They don't need it right now. They need to be let go. And do you got think there. Casey Badger wants to come in right now? No, nah, now wouldn't be a time to be your debut, Boys, that's no. for sure. Matt Cherry, do you think Ryan Hall will be as dominant in the NRL as he has been in the Super League? And do you think Ethan Lowe would be a decent replacement for Crichton at South considering he's fallen out of favour at the Cowboys? <sighs> oh, no, he's not going to. He's no um, Angus Crichton. Ryan Hall will be good, but... His best is probably behind him. Yeah. yeah. Great winger. They're probably the best best English winger I've ever seen. One of the only reasons, and I've said this a million times in a show, you don't want to buy any of the outside backs that he would work here is because he's one of the only guys that's a genuine yardage presence, which a lot he's of He's going to be good. And he's a big body. I think in that sense he'll be outstanding. I don't know. You if... watch him playing tests against Australia, he always plays well yeah, against Australia. he always Australia. does He can well. handle the NRL. Don't worry about that. So I think being in a quality side is definitely going to help as well um, yeah, on the course. end of that back line. And again, he usually play left wing, doesn't he? So mm-hmm. he's got the potential that if Daniel Tupo gets swapped to the right or is not in that first grade side, that he's going to be playing outside the Terrell Mitchell. So if you want to talk about a massive left hand edge, uh, Kiri's yeah. going to be pretty happy having Cordner, Latrell Mitchell, and Ryan Hall. Yeah, that's that's a pretty handy setup. International backline. Uh, ben Stark says, "Can you walk me through Latrell's try that he scored so easily?" Well, it depends which one you're talking well, about. Well, shit inside tie. He says, good footwork or poor defence. Parker seems to be facing out too much, but DC was the inside man and got beaten too. Does this uh, then become the player to inside responsibility to make the tackle? It all looked far too easy. Mm. Well, it's it's everyone's responsibility. Yeah. Anyone that's sliding has to get that man that drops back under. Yeah. And the problem for me is that you got to try and be square while you're sliding. You know, as soon as you turn your body out, it's almost impossible to get someone coming back behind you. So their body position wasn't real good, but. The effort was shit. And it was the fault of both, basically. I'm, I'm now getting it back in my head, the one you're talking about. Brad there's Parker, no effort there. Yeah, I know that. But Brad Parker had slid way off and wasn't even on his in, on his shoulder anymore. He'd like gone hard out on the slide and outside and slipped over when Latrell cut mm. back in. And Cherry Evans, with the gap that he had there, probably just looked up and saw who it was and thought, I'm not even going to get in front of him. Yeah. So it was just poor around by the manly defense, that's for sure. 
Dominic Coogan, I love the game companion, hoping there will be some for finals footy. Yeah, definitely. We'll probably uh, try and get one up most weeks if we get an opportunity to, but I guess the only thing is Channel 9 games. I don't know. I guess if you've got Foxtel, you can record both, can't you? Yeah. You can record Channel 9 or Fox games, but for obvious reasons, people without Fox. Well, let us know, for those listening, let us know what games you would prefer us to do. We'll put up, I reckon, a post from now on saying Game of the Week, what people want, okay, and see if that works for people. But more, what I'm saying is, logistically, like, so if we have to do a... A Fox game. Does a Fox game work better for everyone? Does a Channel 9 game work better for everyone? Yeah. You tell us. Earlier what, what, games, what helps, yeah. Because we talked about we, it. We don't know. The other night, that seemed like a good game. For me, it wouldn't matter. Like, if it's whoever it was, we've got Fox. We can record both. We could watch we can any. Watch it, so, it, do, it doesn't affect us. But we do understand there's people out there who want to listen, who may not have access. And, and we want to make sure we're catering for everyone. The questions about live feeds, people can't have Can't do it. It's legally it's illegal like radio pay for streams and obviously they're not allowed to do it while games are going tv pays for rights we can't even do a live stream with no vision and us talking you're not allowed to commentate a game in any sort of way that's another right for it yeah. simple as that yeah it's just Literally. how it is unfortunately andrew bennett angus Crichton has butchered a few try scoring opportunities the last couple of weeks uh once in origin when they were down i remember the one where roberts he threw it behind him uh had the same opportunity last week against the bulldogs then again this week against the tigers uh, and all he had to do was pass to Walker. It was wide open. Such simple plays. What's going on there? No, of course, cool. Just keep working on it. He'll get better. It's just young timing. He's st- I think people forget he's still only 21. He's an absolute mm-hmm. baby. But How often do you find yourself in the clear as a back row? No, a lot of the time as a back row, you hit that hard line and you're going into score. But I think the pass technique's fine. It's just been landing on the money. He's throwing one too early, one a bit well, too late. Tomorrow that tells me he's not throwing enough, so throw so, more. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure Seabold will be all over it. Mm. Scott Brainy, do you think the Morris brothers will be starters for the Roosters and Sharks next year? Um, well, I'm confused about Morris, who's going to be announced for the Roosters because so. what would they Tupo's, buy? well, depth I'm talking about, or cover. Mm. But they've got Tupo signed up as well, Hall and Morris. They don't all fit. Mm. Tupo's injury prone. And they all play left wing at the moment. Tupo plays left wing, Morris plays left wing, and so does Ryan Hall. Yeah. Tupo's the youngest of all. He's only 26 years old. He's injury prone, but Morris has been much more injury prone the last few years as well. So. Yeah. So there you go. I don't know. Someone's going to be playing for Wyong on a decent contract, let's put it that way, which is pretty normal for the Roosters anyway. Yeah. Brad Tasker, 50-50 question of the week. Uh, you can have Andrew Johns or Jonathan Thurston as your franchise half in their prime. Who Easy. do you pick? Johns. Why is it JT? Well, Johns. It's not JT. I'd pick Joey any day of the week. Johns, any day. Defensively, he was a weapon. That's he, not going He could tear a side apart the on The best of all time. The GOAT. And he did it pissed and drugged up half the time, mm. so... Couldn't imagine what he would have done if he was sable. Maybe it would have affected his ability. Maybe it's like a magical power. Hmm. Playing loaded, he's just the ultimate. JT, football. fantastic. But oh. defensively, Andrew John shits all over him. Yeah. And I think kicking game as well. I know JT's kicking game is very, very good. But I think Andrew, offensively, they're fairly similar. Andrew John's like basically coined a couple of kicking uh, kicks of his own. So uh, I'd be going. And to be fair, I think, I, think, um, I think JT's played in more talented sides. There you go. Yeah. Well, Joey John's came in that year. They'd lost the whole year, didn't he? And won him a game. Yeah, first week back or second week back. So yeah, I yeah. think his influence on a game and on a team was greater than JT's. Yeah, Michael Cooper can either of the beaten teams from the two blowout games in the weekend take anything away from the second halves? Uh, he think it's, uh, I think it's fair to say either team rolled over. Brisbane scored two jammy tries off intercepts, and Penrith at least came out and played their hearts out. Manly were poor, but Roosters were just playing like they were possessed. Boyd Corden is burner. Victor Adley's throwing himself at the line. The backing up of second rowers, inside players, or is it just a case of fake form, winning sides, or shithouse first halves? 
Well, it's going to be interesting. I don't even think of that. Both sides got beat by 50. I'd take Penrith mm, got more to play for because they're going to be in the yeah, eight. I'd take more out of Penrith's second half because they found some points, but they still threw a couple of poor passes. And, you know, the first half, they didn't respond early enough. Manly, their season's over. It's been absolutely controversial. And as good as the Roosters were, I, I take more out of Brisbane having the better win to me because they beat a better side um, given the circumstances. I, I think Manly had quit in that game after 10 minutes. But Penrith can take a little bit out of the second half, but got to tighten things up, get back to holding the football and being more disciplined. They got exposed the other night from ill discipline and 18 all second half, like Brock said, when they kind of pulled things together. The Roosters, they just need to keep playing consistent football and keep their error and penalty rate down. That's the one thing I didn't mention. They were 90% the other day and it was one of their lowest penalty counts of the season, which has been two of their biggest problems, completions and penalties. Yeah. Heath Wild, what do you guys know about Penrith player in the interest comp? Mako Sivo was very impressive on the weekend. I know nothing about him. Come from Gundagai playing A grade, had a massive season, went to St. Mary's. He played Ron Massey and Cup and scored a swag of tries, got in there last year, had a massive run home and ended up winning the state championship with Penrith. Uh, I don't know if he did it in off-season or not. Didn't hear much. I'm pretty sure he was part of their off-season, but he's not part of the top 30. Had a quieter season this season, and obviously Penrith got a hell of a lot of junior talent, so... Uh, he's a very good winger, but I don't know if Penrith's going to be the place he gets his opportunity to give him the talent that they've got. But he's a good footballer and one of those guys that's kind of bloomed a little bit late or come from overseas and come out of nowhere. Within two years, he's gone from playing A-grade at Gundagai in group football to playing New South Wales Cup. And he was in the residence team for New South Wales, which says you're on the borderline of uh, playing some first grade. George Kennedy, do you think a better coach would have the Panthers playing better at this point of the season despite their key outs mm. or has the injury toll finally caught up with them? don't know. You're never going to know because there's only one coach there. Well, injury toll or not, their side's still stacked. Mm. Well, Cleary, Maloney in there, that forward pack that's there right now. Who, like, who's really missing at this point? It's a, it's a huge month for Penrith. Like McKendry, Peter Wallace, like some of the guys that are out of their side to me wouldn't be playing anyway. They've come. Tim Browns who retired. Yeah. Dallin and Edwards I'd have in there somewhere over Crichton and that. But looking at the halves and who's came in in that forward pack, I don't think they've really got any excuses right now. No, they don't. Is there anyone else I'm forgetting that's injured? No, I can't. I don't know. But yeah, I think they're they're back to close to full strength or they're better players in those positions. So it's just time to switch on. Jason Lamley, with how shit uh, they've been the last couple of weeks, how the hell are the Cowboys' favourite this weekend? Well, no idea. No idea, mate. I'm not a bookie. They they see things and I don't don't go against the bookies very often because they're pretty smart. Um, but Ponga... Invest, uh, son. Invest. Ponga apparently trained today and his hamstring was all good, but then he rolled his ankle. Connor Watson didn't train at all. So if they go into the game minus Watson and Ponga, mm. I still would prefer to be on the Knights, but who knows? Yeah. Is that is it in North Queensland or is it in Newcastle? I think it's in North Queensland. I wouldn't be betting on that game. I'd stay away from stay it. Stay away. Matt Grano, I'm pretty close to moving on from following the NRL. The refing makes the game almost unwatchable. The howls are bad, but the fact they seem to go uh, the way of teams like the Roosters, Storm Broncos, etc., make the game feel rigged. Would a try like O'Sullivan's be awarded to the Titans over the Roosters? No way. Would Cam Smith's high shot be let go and called a knock-on if the Warriors did it? No way. And would Canberra get awarded a try after the touch he had raised his flag? No way. What are your thoughts on ref bias? I don't know. I think it's... I don't think, I think the refs, refereeing is pretty consistently poor across all games. i got no kind of lean that refs go out there with the intention to be biased towards those three clubs. I, I really don't. It may seem that way at times, but uh, I don't draw a bow that long to say that the referees purposely go out there or are directed or have a directive to go out there no, and make those teams, you know, Because they don't. Win. Simple. Don't if, even indulge in it. If Move on. Yeah, but I was going to say, if you're going to go that way, when's the last time Brisbane won a premiership? 
not since 2006. Like the Roosters, you know, they've been up there or thereabouts, but they've got a very talented side. They haven't won a comp since 2013. When Brisbane play at home, they've got a home field advantage. Storm were outstanding last year and deserve that with that premiership. But Storm probably yeah. do as well. They've got a good home field advantage. Like, if you don't think home field um, and the status of teams influences referees slightly, then you're stupid. Mm. Like, when Brisbane play the Titans, most of the time I go, it's a, if it's a Suncorp, you go, well, you're not winning that penalty count. No. You're not going to get the 50-50s in that game. Mm. You just know that going into it. Yeah. There's no use bitching and complaining about it. No. Nigel Huntley, lol at the coaches and how the rules of the NRL should be interpreted. One of the best, most exciting sports in the world is run by a bunch of knuckleheads. Might need a new Super League war to finally get the sport going in the right direction. Mm, I don't know about that. I think the game's still slightly sort of recovering from the Super League war. Yeah, I bet so. I wasn't born around that time, but everything I've heard and read about it, I, I definitely don't think still we need. still a lot of factions and fighting and agendas based out of what happened in the Super League. Yeah. Zach Maitland, if you were held at gunpoint and told that if you didn't impress them with your dance moves, would you be killed? What dance moves would you bust I'd be, out? I'd be dead. I'd just do the Macarena. I'd be dead. Yeah, more than likely. I, I've been known to try, but I'm very, very poor. I, yeah. Well, if you're poor, then I'm... So I, I think I think we can come to note that even if both of us were drunk, I'd be out there busting a move, but you still wouldn't be out there. No. But my, my selection's pretty poor and I couldn't tell you anything to be honest as far as moves are concerned. Will Marchington, do you think there's any truth to some of these Cam Smith rumors that have surfaced this season? The falling out with Cronk, affair with Yvonne Sampson, and if somehow linked to his rep retirement, or is it more just a case where he's the easiest person to point out and start a rumor about? I don't know. I don't know because well, I, I don't know. I'm not going to comment because I don't know. End I, of the he, day, he clearly, he's had a falling out of Cronk. No, I think we can say that. But the, again, the affair with Von Sampson, who knows? Where's the facts? Where's the proof? And there's a reason you haven't heard nothing about it in the papers or that because no one has the proof for anything. It's defamation, so. to be fair. Exactly. Like, to throw people's saying, names up. People keep bringing this up and wondering why nothing's been said or saying it's happened. Where's your proof? If you don't have anything, you haven't heard it for a reason. Because mm. if you do say something. Yeah, like you better have stones. some facts. They like to throw stones at other people's personal lives. To the point of what he's I'm saying. I'm sure they wouldn't like them to bandy around rumours about their personal life. No. Is it easy to start rumours about alone. the bigger players in the game? 100% it is. But he's playing football. Why. He's having a good season. I don't know why we always want to draw a bow about people that are on top of the game. Tall poppy. Um, we we just like to bash our better players, that's for sure. Gavin Costello, Manly's performance, bad coaching or bad players? Both. I think the club's just bad in general at the moment and it's not going to get better. Tell you what, those Manly wooden spoon haters are quieting down. They're mm. only two points off. I don't think they're going to get it, but... No. I wasn't far off. No. Daniel Friend, who would win a Royal Rumble with the coaches? Shane Flanagan looks like he could throw them, and surely Belliate would bite, eye gouge, and spit. I wouldn't want to be fighting Steve Cooney. I was about to say, the one I, I read this one earlier, and the first person I thought of, are we all forgetting Mooks? He was a psycho. He'd wipe the floor with everybody, yeah, but I think uh, old Flanagan would be there somewhere near the end. I think the first one to go would be Wayne Bennett. Everyone would chuck him out. Him, Hook Griffin. Paul Green would be the first to go. Someone angry, would just drop kick him. Angry midget. I think yeah. he'd be in a little ankle biter. Him and Brad Arthur would be two little psychos that you'd have to get out of there. But mm. if we're saying the last two people left in a Royal Rumble, I'd probably go as far to say it would be Flanagan, probably versus Kearney. It'd be Kearney. And Kearney would wipe the floor with everybody because he's a big human being. And if anyone didn't see that preseason program with the Warriors, he's quite scared when he gets angry. You he gets put angry. your fucking ball foot you on that ball. Play your ball. Or play that ball with your fucking foot, boy. It's like, ooh. Scary, scary Fair human enough, too. You play with your foot. That's right. Hugo Hansen, wouldn't the referees be more effective if they made their decisions as a team? When they send a decision upstairs, the bunker refs and touch, you should all discuss play while watching the replays on the big screen, then come to a collective agreement. Well, then you've got more opinion. You've already got a problem with the fact that they don't agree with the collective opinion anyway. Mm. What the touchy said there was a knock on, the ref sent it up an O try, and then the bunker said it was a try. So discussing it or not, 
you just have more delays because nobody obviously had the same thoughts on how the play unfolded. Jay Strasburg. Boys, in terms of future rugby league, what's three things you like about the current administration is doing and three things you would introduce or change? Three things I like. I do like the bunker. Mm. Uh, what else do I like? Three things, one thing I bring back is Monday Night Football. Yeah. Uh, what else? I'd bring back Monday Night Football. I'd go back to one ref. I think the one ref is better than yeah. two refs. I think the pocket I ref, same deal. Clouds the judgment of uh, the lead ref. Um, I, I think expansion. I'd like to see ex- an expansion team come in. Third change, I'd get rid of the seven tackle set. I'm sure you'd agree yeah, on that. Agree That's ridiculous. That. But yeah, changes, expansion, and within that though, things I'd like to see them do better. I've said this a million times. They need to sort out a way to get the minimum wage a little bit higher, so we're not always feeding um, the top I'd end. Like so to we see can... them drop the interchanges. Yeah, want to see them hold the depth of players and not see players like Tua Lola, Lola here at 22 going to play in England. Mm. We need to keep those guys over here if we're ever going to expand, that's for sure. Max McAlorum, who is more impressive, the Roosters or the Broncos? Roosters. They're impressive. I think the Broncos probably played a tougher opponent, but uh, I'd go with the Roosters. Tom Perea, why don't the refs have iPads at either end of the ground and get the bunker to send them camera angles so the refs can check their decisions and then confirm what they saw live? We're just confusing. Well, it looks like the NFL then, and then we're having more delays and stoppages, and you're almost calling time off so they go off the field. We're, We're really trying to get the flow back, and all we're doing... Here is just trying to introduce more layers of technology. It's 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 a hard sell, but honestly, we, we need to just get things to flow again. And like we said at the start, less complication would be better. Yeah. NRL fantasy expert might be a tough question question to answer off the top of your heads, but if you were to pick three players currently on the fringe of teams or playing cup to make a big impact in the NRL next year, who would they be? Tyron May. <clears throat> like if we were going to put him in another team, is what we're saying? No. He's just saying playing cup oh, to make a big fringe, impact. Right. Well, a lot of guys have already debuted that you would have seen more recently. So you see O'Sullivan's coming in. You're seeing Clifford the other week come in. You've well, seen Aikens kid? come yeah, in. Well, Clifford's probably one. Yeah, Aikens has come in and played some grade. Uh, there's a lot of them. But if there's some guys there that haven't played grade full stop, uh, even Garner, like on the weekend, he's one I was looking at West saying he'll play some grade. He's there now. But Shane Flanagan's young bloke. I don't know how things are going to go with Moylan and obviously Townsend there, but he's really knocking on the door to come in and play some more football. Jamin Salmon at the Parramatta Eels. He's another half who's pushing there. You don't know what's going to happen in that situation. Corey Waddell at Penrith. They've yeah. got the young bloke, uh, William Burns, who was in the New South Wales 20-side back row. He made his cup debut on the weekend, scored a hat-trick. So um, they're one in particular. It's just stacked Penrith. You could pick four or five guys if they move club would go. But mm. I could go all day, honestly, looking at a lot of the cup football. But who knows? There's a lot of talented young blokes out there, that's for sure. Adam Thomas, who's your guys' pick for the Dalian Player of the Year? We seem to just be talking about controversy at the moment. It would be good to talk about our great players. I think Ponga's got to be up there, isn't he? Well, after missing those couple of games, I think Maloney for feeder. Smith be? Well, that's what I was going to say. Smith was behind the marker, but during the origin period, uh, I dare say he's picked up a couple of men in the match points. I, I'd have to think that he's not too far off the mark now. Uh. Sheck was right up there, and they've started, they lost some games, though. Uh, Ponga missed some games after leading it. Maloney was leading, and I doubt he's got many points more recently. So, uh, if I was going to say now with a run home, oh, I think Cameron Smith's definitely a chance. Ponga would need to play this weekend and the next, you know, the last couple of weeks to get himself uh, kind of in the mix, that's for sure. But moving on to the next one Lachlan Whiffen. MG's idea. I really like the idea and would like to see your thoughts on these ones, boys. The captain's challenge. No bunker or the game with one ref and the in-goal touch judge as well. 
captain's challenge, I'm confused. We used it the other year in the back end of the season when it was a game that had no effect on the finals and we never got any feedback on it or never kind of heard of it again. But it seemed to work pretty well at the time. The game flowed. Players didn't question anything. We didn't see as many replays and the refs made a call on field. Um, I guess the one thing about it is you only get one challenge. I think you'd need more than one for players so they could at least have two cracks and a half. No bunker, well, that's pretty hard to do right now. We do need some element of technology. We just need to get the right people operating and the processes sort out to be better. We spent way too much money on it and technology is just part of the way things moving forward. And the game with one referee and the in-goal touch judges, I'm more of that opinion. Obviously, Brock, he probably prefers to stick with the two referees kind of situation, but um, I'd probably have to ask Boxhead, what are your thoughts on those couple of things moving forward or MG's thoughts? Uh, I like two refs. I like the bunker. I'd, I'd throw the captain's challenge in, but... Yeah. I think it's a good idea. Fair enough. Yeah. And Jump. you've heard a lot of uh, a lot of coaches come out and support it. So, But that, that seems to go against what Todd Greenberg said this morning. He said a lot of coaches want, wanted it off the agenda in the coaches' meeting. So I, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to know. Fair enough. Johnny Ashko, Lewis, can you get Brock to say, I'm not the fucking oracle of rugby league. I piss myself every time. There's something funny about when Brock swears. I'm not the fucking Oracle of Rugby League. Well, Brocky, I don't know why you're talking like that, mate. It's just not necessary. Well, not. We, we're on here no. with an opinion just like everyone else. Our, our opinion is no more right or wrong than anyone else's, so I don't want to pretend like I know everything. 100%. Uh, Stephen Moorcroft, which team do you guys think will get the wooden spoon and why? Well, dogs, they stink. Yeah, after the weekend, you'd have to say the Bulldogs, surely. Uh, the Cows are still... Oh, the Cowboys and the Eels aren't far away. They're still they? there on the hunt, but... I think, yeah, I, think. I think they were on the shit pile and then they just rolled off. So they're, they're pretty close to the shit pile. Yeah. That other Bulldogs. End of the day, they all stink. So anyone who gets Correct. it definitely deserves it. Nathan Hunt, why do the referees have to be micromanaged during games? Well, well they don't. They Leave don't them alone. Plain and simple. Duncan Bridgeford, what does the game do to avoid situations like last Thursday where we have the Dogs and Eels playing in front of a 1,000 people in a prime time slot? I don't slot? know. Surely there has to be some flexibility in the schedule. I don't know. Well, but problem, what do you do? Well, you still Wherever you play that game, it's still... Going to draw no one. But you know the problem here, it's not about crowds. They're all about TV and they're looking at the clubs that have the most fans or the biggest viewership. So unfortunately, teams like the Eels, the Dogs, etc., are the TV rating games or Souths and Tigers, etc., regardless of where they are on the ladder. So That's they're still going to put play that. it somewhere, got to play it sometime. Yeah, they're it still going to be a bad game. In the prime time, unfortunately. Probably, maybe that, that would have been a better daytime game. I don't know. That would be the only suggestion I would have. Yeah, don't know about that. Mihal Maguire, your mate. Also can't resist a Pommy question. How is Ryan Hall going to go at the Roosters? One of the best consistent wingers in Super League, but now 30. Kudos for him for taking the challenge. And for me, plays quite similar to Blake Ferguson. I think he'll go good. I like Hall. I know you like Hall. I like Hall as well. I think just mainly... Like said, the, Ryan Hall. The age and the couple of blokes they're bringing in, I don't know who's going to be starting, obviously, but they didn't bring him out here to play New South Wales Cup. I don't Surely think. didn't. James Hughes, starting to think Nathan Cleary is overrated with all the fanfare oh. and hype around him. Can you change my mind? Overrated, overrated based on what? Where like talk or situation? I I, I put it in this. He perspective. is what he is. He's he's a second year first grader. He's half. a twenty year old kid who's playing his third season. Has been to the finals every single year and just won an Origin series. Was he a massive contributor in a yeah, It's his second not so much full year in first. Let's grade. just frame this season three, two final series, and he's twenty. Season two. Let's not get crazy. It's season three. 
Season two, he didn't play a full year the first year. Well, he still played 50 yeah. games already, hasn't he? I'm mm. pretty sure. Nah, so, I ain't that many. But know. anyway, it doesn't matter. I wouldn't he's, get he's too a 20 crazy. Year old kid. He's 20 years old, yeah. Uh, Ashford says, top three New South Wales Cup or Queensland Cup players that should push their way in. Well, we mentioned some of those names before, and a lot have already pushed, pushed their way in. You've seen Clifford, you've seen O'Sullivan, Aikens, a lot of these guys that were playing the best in their respective competitions um, up in Queensland. There's a couple, Pappenhausen. From Melbourne there, you've got Scott Drinkwater who's also at their club. Um, yeah, Mitchell Dunn for the Cowboys pushed his way in. There's a couple of those ones there. Dan from the Sportress. In recent weeks, both the Raiders and Roosters have used their winger to come across to the other side of the field to run a fullback line on the inside of the six. Is this just about extra numbers or getting the winger involved? Extra numbers. I also think it depends on who the winger is. When you've got a player like Rapana or Cotrick, you can involve them in that kind of role to get their hands on the football. And they've both played fullback. Yeah. So, so a lot of the wingers have played one. Luke Klein, do you think the games in the last month have no finals implications, should be used in a trial for the goal, touch judges and no bunker? Human error is inevitable when it happens on both field and in the bunker. It becomes unacceptable. No, because you've still got people betting on those games. You still need to make sure that the calls in those games are accurate. Yeah. It's pretty hard to do, isn't it? JDHD says, the NFL season is coming up quick. How do you like the Falcons' chances of Super Bowl glory? No idea. Haven't really looked at you, mate. No idea. No, well, they're, they're a good chance. They've got a good quarterback. They've got good offense. If they can get their defense right and coach a little bit fucking better than they did last year, that'd be good. The play calling last year was fucking atrocious. Like, a lot of people forget we had first and eight at the Philadelphia, like, well, first and ten, or first and goal at the Philadelphia eight-yard line. Philadelphia won the Super Bowl. Mm. We lost the 28-3 Super Bowl lead the year before, so could have easily won rings the last two years. But we haven't. More so because of ourselves, not not of anyone else. So, yeah, don't get me started on the Falcons. They give me more of a headache than what the Titans do. There you go. Gavin Bannerman, pundit power rankings. Who is in your top eight for public and analysers of the game across all media? Uh, Gus, Kenny. Let's say Gus. Matty Johns. Kenny, I like Matty Johns. Matty Johns. I like Sterling. I like Fredo. Like Sterling uh, does a good job. Uh, I don't probably can't really rattle off eight off the top of my head, but a few guys you listen to or respect. In particular, in their opinions, those guys are certainly up there. Uh, Brad Millen says, Can you explain why Die Hard is the greatest movie franchise of all time? Well, I've watched the Die Hard movies, mate, and I'm sure Box had it as well, but uh, can't say I've watched them a second time, but they are definitely good, and some of Bruce Willis is better. Box said, You a Die Hard movie fan? Love it. There Saw The go. Equalizer 2 last week. It was good. Yeah, well, he's asking about the Die Hard franchise. Why it's the greatest of all time? I've watched all Die Hard, I've never seen a Die Hard movie. There you oh, go. There you go. I love Star Wars. I got it wrong then. I've seen all the Die Hards, but no. I don't, it's not my favourite. I, I like the Terminator more than that. Star Wars. And I'm more of a comedy bloke. Oh, day. Mick Webb, any chance of you handing your Titans membership and getting one for the Panthers? Scotty Prince is long gone, and you had a bit to do with the crop of young guns, didn't you? So that one's for you, obviously. For me. He said paper thin Titans membership. Yeah. Would you trade it in for a Panthers one? Scotty Prince is gone, no. and you've had a bit to do with the club. No. I, I, I like seeing him go well, but. I like seeing Penrith go well. Fair enough. I've got nothing against anyone at the Panthers. No. Will Sinclair, should Robbie and Benji go around for another season? No. Well, what would you move forward with? I don't know. Well, I suppose, yeah, if they've got no one there, would yeah. You? Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. So yeah. It's your backup. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Do you go after Isaac Luke or Seguiara like there was well, Isaac talk Luke, of? They reckon he's going to sign at Para. But I don't know. I, I tend to think he moved over there for family. I don't see why he'd leave New Zealand, but I guess money, yeah. I he had four massive years. Money talks. I don't know. I, yeah, a year's a long time in footy. Look what's happened to Jonathan Thurston. So 
I'd err on the side of caution, but if you've got no other options, then what option do the Tigers have? Well, if, if, if it's for the right money, If they finish the year strong, it's the right money and the situation's good, why not? Uh, what have we got here? Liam, how long until Shandarell gets a run in the top league? Well, at Melbourne, he's be back line at the moment. I don't think he's going to get a run just yet. But Can't be far away. Maybe, you know, injuries this year or he'll get a run next year. They re-signed him again for another year. He I don't snapped know if his Achilles, but didn't he? No, he tore his ACL in the pre-season. ACL, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I heard he's playing good up at Cup there. He'll probably... He probably would have played during that origin period, but unfortunately, he injured for it, and I'm sure next year, similar deal will probably be the situation for him. The Buckstar, I can't remember there ever being a four to six point gap from eighth to ninth so far from the finals of the past. 2018 is the most uneven comp in a long time based on the gap between top eight and bottom eight. What do you think is the reason? Is this a sign of things to come in the future? I think it's the most uneven, even comp I've ever seen. I think yeah, it's well, the most uneven in the, the top eight are so far ahead of. Definitely the bottom six. I think there's two teams in there who have really shot themselves in the foot with a couple of form slumps in the Tigers and the Raiders. But I love what this top eight's going to bring. I don't know. I think it's going to breed mm. one of the most exciting final series in a long time we've seen. But, you know, and then you look at the teams that are down the bottom. You've got the Eels and Cowboys who were predicted top four. Uh, the Bulldogs who, you know, they had Woods for and there was a lot of, uh, a lot of people had them in their eight. Uh, Manly who were in the eight last year who were struggling. The Titans, I guess, no one really had in. We all knew Newcastle were going to improve, and that's happened. And Canberra and the Tigers, a lot of people have the Tigers low, so they've exceeded expectations. And Canberra being Canberra, what they've just shot themselves in the foot. If Canberra had Hodgson earlier, if the Tigers had Robbie uh, and Benji for the most part of the year, and yeah. if Newcastle never lost Pierce and Ponga, I think we would have 11 teams probably mm. in contention. But that's yeah. just the way football goes, unfortunately. Uh, Kieran says what would be your pecking order in terms of footy based TV shows I tend to lean more towards 360 and 100% footy shows that you actually know talk footy uh, like Matty John's show seems to be a bit cheesy and the sketches and they laugh at their own jokes successfully yeah I like Controversy Corner at the moment uh, I like 100% footy provided Gus is on it I, sometimes I totally disagree with what he says other times I agree but I just think he's just one of the sharpest minds in the game and I think Ben Eichen he's underrated as a football He's good. He's very good he's, on 360. He's real good, and obviously Kenny's good. So, if yeah, I, they're, they're my three go-tos. If I have the two, uh, the, the time for them, it's mostly 360 and 100% footy that I watch every time uh, during the week. And Tommy Purvis, he's pretty similar to the question the Bucks had. With the top eight settled, bar a miracle, we now face eight teams running around aimlessly. Is it time for a 24-team two-tier relegation comp? Well, again, we've said this before. Money... The talent pool, how's that all work? The TV rights, saturation area, it just doesn't work. We can't have a relegation system here. How is a new town or a feeder club that is linked already to an NRL club supposed to stand on their own two feet when they don't have the funding? The NRL has only just told all the clubs this year that they have to stand on their own two feet, otherwise they won't get bailed out with any loans. So we definitely can't afford to go to 24 teams, and a lot of those clubs can barely afford to survive without the NRL grant as is, let alone go 24 teams and have uh, relegation for you know, that kind of setup. And I'm sure Brock agrees with me that there's no way you can have a 24-team comp with relegation, no etc. Just the, no like I said, the money situation, More. what I've just ran through, it just doesn't work. Uh, Brad Millen, can anyone explain to me why other teams are not going hard to poach this young Bronco back? Right, well, they, they are. They are, trust me. Hmm. The, the Rabbitohs threw a half million dollars at Jaden Sewer, got knocked back. Pengai Juniors had offers from Newcastle here, there and everywhere. Doesn't want a bar of it. Lodge has been offered things, doesn't want a bar of it. Brisbane, as we said earlier. Good third parties, good setup. They've got enough money there. They'll find a way to make all these players fit. And their managers know that. Hence why there's been no panic or rush to sign these guys earlier. They all want to be at Brisbane, clearly. And they're all going to be staying at Brisbane. But don't think for a second that clubs haven't sniffed around or pushed hard. They've all gone and had a go. Don't you worry. That's why Payne Haas, again, when people blow up that number, 
got a bigger number because more than half the NRL were interested in him. Sean Field, what would you do to fix Canberra? Is it coaching, playing style, recruitment? They don't seem too far off yet. Re- rarely win big games or tight games. Oh, they've got to tighten up all three of those. I think they've got to change the forward pack a little bit, and that's going to happen anyway with Boyd and Paulo heading out the door. They need to get fitter, more mobile front rowers to join in with what is a pretty talented back line. Obviously, they need a more stable halves partner next to Caesar, and uh, you know, in the spine, Hodgson's there. He delivers, and one, they've got questions moving forward on Jack because they don't know what's going up with his future, I guess. So. Yeah. There's a few spine moves there and just a couple of front rows and discipline. Discipline and mental toughness. They lack. Uh, what have we got here? Is Wayne Bennett lost touch or are the Broncos in decline and in a rebuild phase? That's from Joel Banks. No, they're not in. They're, they're not definitely in the not in decline. They're in the rebuild. If anything, they're lacking that number seven that we're talking about. And the coaching situation, well, good luck picking that one. He's gone there with a couple of proposals. The board have knocked him back. For all male, he's not going to be there. And they're very interested in Anthony Seabold, who's from that way. So... You won't hear anything about that until the season's over, though, so there's no use talking about it for now. Gavin, Brock, your thoughts on Simon Wolford's coaching at Huddersfield? Solid. You got a good win on the weekend. Well, he's done the right thing. He's done an apprenticeship. He did some mm. A-grade stuff down in Canberra, moved on to cup football, done a good job there at Newcastle for a, a little bit, and yeah, now he's doing running. Super League first. So. Uh, Luke Saunders sent you on here, basically. There was a tweet from the Queensland Maroos saying, he's getting a statue in his name, but does Alfie Langer also hold the key to extracting Milford's best? And Luke Saunders says... Extracting it by playing alongside him every week, mate. Yeah, well, blue so, shirts. You, did, you hear Gordy, did you hear Gordy Talos on Sunday Triple M NRL? No. Same thing. Yep. So, blue shirts. Not happy. Get about off it. the field. Brock has spoken. No more blue shirts on the field. David White. Here's a good one. If there was one player and one team and one game that you never saw play, if you could see them, or see them, what and who? As you know, I'm a bit of an older person, being a Dragon supporter. I'd love to see Chuck Rapier, 1963 Australia versus England. 50 to 12 against the Swinton Saints. Daily Messenger playing for Australia. I was going to say, I'd be going back. Similar deal. It'd have to be one of the immortals that obviously I'd have no chance of ever seeing in my lifetime. So someone like Reg. He's not an immortal. Reg Gaznier or Daily Messenger like Brock, one of these guys that we hear so much about that I've actually never seen play. Mm. Um, Changa Langlands, etc. But yeah, I think if you want to go back to the heart of it all and where it started, Daily Messenger was the man, wasn't he? That we give most of the credit to. So uh, much like Boxhead saying, that's where I want to go back to. Arthur Sekoulis, bunker shown to be used for tries to check grounding. Thoughts? Wasn't that why it was first introduced? No. Yeah, well. No. Yeah. It should be used to check bloody everything. But the problem is that we just overanalyze. And we look for things that aren't there. Calvin Hewitt, when are you guys getting a full-time commentary gig? Love the Broncos-Panthers pod game. Will there be more? Also, can the Warriors keep eyes at Luke? We definitely will be doing a couple more uh, game casts, Boxhead. Yeah. We'll work that around, obviously, <clears throat> work and other bits and pieces, and we'll put up to see what works better, whether it's the TV games, uh, the Fox games, if earlier ones are better and you prefer to record and watch straight after like or we even do. a certain and, day, like what day works. Yeah, and then again, we'll put up suggestions for Game of the Week, I guess, once we have a better idea. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, full-time commentary, God knows, mate. And We'd love to do it. The last one, the girl folder. Two things. One, what do you mainly need to do in the off-season? And two, can you guys do a Facebook live link to a game you're watching instead of a recording? Well, we addressed that before. No, we can't. The Facebook live thing or anything live with the game is basically illegal with the rights. So yeah, It's copyright. Radio can't do it with games. When other radios or TVs have got it going, etc., they pay for the rights to either broadcast via radio, via TV, anything live we don't have the right to do. Uh, and what do you mean they need to do in the off-season? Well, there's not a whole lot they can do. They're hamstrung by their salary cap. They've already lost Sean Lane and a couple of guys that, you know, were sought after by other clubs purely because they don't have a lot of room to move. I think they need to change... Get, get Blake Green back. 
Yeah, that, that would help. They definitely need to change their captain, I think. Um, I think Jake moving forward would be the better option in that regard. And I just think, you know, the, more needs to happen off the field than it does on the field. I think Trent Barrett's hamstrung by the squad he's got moving forward for the time being. But I think a lot needs to happen off the field. They need a general manager of football. They need better staff off the field. Lyle Gorman needs to rear his head and the board needs to do something. He's on a holiday or something for yeah, 10 days. taken off in the middle of the season. So <laughs> they need a lot more leadership off the field. <clears throat> that is for sure. But there you go. That wraps us up for the fan questions for this week. We move on now to Mr. Gossip's Gossip and our tips and bets brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. And on the weekend, their best bet, Brock, it got up again. So they're seven from nine. Good record. In that regard so far. So if you're following those best bets from the Pro Sports Syndicate and you're following those sign-up links, uh, Palmer bet was back on the weekend, $150 bonus bet when you deposit $50. So pretty handy kind of amount of money you get there. And a lot of people asked about that. Is that for a sign-up? That's for a sign-up. Yeah, no, rubbish. But uh, yeah, a few people were interested in that one, got back on board. Uh, and as far as the package is concerned this week, I think last week the update they gave me is they were close to $1,700 in profit, but not too sure about how their tips and lines went this week. The boys are obviously in the UK, so I haven't heard much from this week, but we'll get an update and put that up on the page. But as of last week, $700. I know the best bet was winning on the weekend. That was Storm minus 3.5. They just covered that one. Keep your eye out for those affiliate links. If you want those tips from the boys, $99 half price for your first month of that package. If your tips don't return a profit, you get the second month free. After that, go to full price, which is 200 a month. Cancel any time, no locking contracts. Uh, it is getting towards the back end of the season, obviously. But Come on, betting companies. Give the fans more. Ladbrokes. Even more. Ladbrokes have been good to me, I must admit, since I joined Ladbrokes. Yeah, I like Ladbrokes. Twice this year, they've sent me offers for match deposits, and they've been good ones. They've yeah, offered how me much? 250 for 250 and I've had another one, similar deal. They've and stopped I'll, sending them to me, because every time they send me 500 I just go, boom! You know, I've done it both times now, like you. Boom! And, uh, I've been very appreciative. I actually got a quiz from Will Hill today, asking what they goes, could do better, and I said in both of them, more promos and yeah. better uh, bet deposits, because Ladbrokes, as soon as I stop betting for three weeks, send me one, I'm like, yeah! Boom! I need to stop betting then. Love it. But uh, the Pro Sports Syndicate, thank you very much. Charity bet, Brock, we forgot last week. Yeah, we did. So we kind of fluffed it. Shit form. Disappointing, because i tell you what, the one thing I was very keen on, and I bet on it myself, and it saved my weekend, was Latrell Mitchell try win. Uh, and he had a field day, so <clears throat> check out the boys' tips and keep your eyes open. Sunday multi-up, I had Storm minus three and a half, which was the boys' bet. Mm-hmm. So I followed them into that, and I liked uh, the Roosters minus, so that got up, paid... Oh, 380, I think. Didn't it what? The odds for that, realistically, in the end, I think they're only like $1.50 to win, weren't they? Yeah, minus five and a half, they were $1.91. And Storm minus one and a half were $1.91 with Ladbroke. So, yeah, transferred into like 390 or something like that. Well, there you go. Follow the best bets from the boys and have a look at that package. The Pro Sports Syndicate doing an outstanding job. But on to Mr. Gossip's gossip for this week and what he's got. Ryan Hinchcliffe could be possibly headed back to the Storm to play his final season of Rugby League. You're shaking your head, and I said it in the conversation earlier to gossip. Uh, for a 30-man squad, I can understand for a depth point of view and to help out some of the younger guys, but yeah. an actual role in the 17, he's not going to start over Dale Finucan, and that bench utility role he used to play is now taken by a guy like Brendan Smith. So He'd want to be the 30th man on the roster that's what and I mean. he'd want to be on minimum wage. For that reason, I don't have a problem with it, and I'm pretty sure it would be for scrap coin like Hoffman's got this year, except yeah. he's obviously played a bigger role, but... Uh, for that reason, yeah, I, I definitely don't think he'd get a look in playing-wise, though. Isaac Luke is his second bit of gossip here, is meeting for the Eels for a second time next week. The Eels quietly confident they're going to land. That's interesting. So basically the deal is he went on a huge deal, four-year deal, was touted at the time as the big signing by the Warriors. They're tentative because this is the first of the four years he's actually played good football. They've spent a fair bit of their cap, and they're saying to him, if you're staying and you really do love the club, 
we showed out last time, you owe us a little bit. It'll be a reduced contract because we don't have the money. And obviously, he's looking for one last payday. Mm. Parramatta fit the bill. They certainly do need a nine. We heard the Tigers... He's got to relocate again. Yeah, and we heard the Tigers were keen on having a chat, but obviously that must have fallen over. So, see what happens with Parramatta and Isaac. Maybe that that bodes well for Robbie Farrow then. Maybe they're going to go around one more year with him and look to sign a hooker next year. Who knows, but uh, good for the Eels, I guess, if he brings the form that he's shown this year, but... Have to wait and see what happens there. The Eels also are looking at signing Brock Lamb for next season. So, obviously, unsighted for the most part of this year and a bit on the outer there. What, what do you think of Brock Lamb? Yeah, he's solid. I don't think he's going to solve Parramatta's problems. No, I'd agree with you. I think the main thing for me is Norman and Moses, if they're not moved on and you bring Lamb in, he's in the same spot he's in now, but he's not happy in Newcastle, not mm. playing first grade. So, I don't see what changes. And they've got the young number six they took from the Cronulla Sharks, Jamin Salmon, who's only 19 and... Playing very well in New South Wales Cup, so he's got a similar situation to the one he's got now with Cogger also being down there compete with him. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what really happens there. I heard talk that Manly were interested, but maybe they just don't have the coin or they're not interested anymore. Maybe, um, yeah. But yeah. And after that one, what else has he got here for us this week? Morris to the Roosters deal will definitely be done and announced next week. So we've already kind of heard similar that that was locked and loaded, ready to go. Just the question that we mentioned earlier, where they all fit with three wingers there in Tupo, Ryan Hall and Morris. And the last bit of news, one that you told me earlier on, obviously, Kane LG has agreed to terms with the Bulldogs' details to be released soon. So hasn't been made official yet as far as contracts and whatnot, but terms are sorted. The contract, that means, will be getting drawn up and settled between the manager and the club and lodged yeah, yeah, cool fairly soon. Period. Yeah. There you go. Looking at his situation, we kind of knew he was going to be out in the outer there. We heard that Canberra had a sniff around because his best year was with Aiden Caesar before he had his injury, but... I guess for the Bulldogs at this point, somebody like that who may not have any options bar the Super League and is keen to prove himself, obviously uh, taking it upon himself to take up that challenge there at the Bulldogs next year on less money and try and prove his worth again yep. in the NRL. But there you go. That's the gossip for this week. Moving on to the tips brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Uh, last week, I finally kind of stumbled a little bit. I only got four. You both got six. So our updated totals, I've got a lead, but it was six at one point. It's now down to two. I'm on 86, you're on 84, Boxhead, and Gossip is on 81. There you go. So we're spaced out, but you've creeped up on me. I had a bit of a barrier, but I've slowly dropped a couple over the last few weeks. But Three quarters through. You've been the clubhouse leader the whole way. I know. Heading into the final round, brother. I'm trying to run run away with this one. But the first game we have this week, and an absolute cracker, a rematch of that controversial one we saw uh, only a couple of weeks back at Shark Park. It is the Broncos versus the Sharks. And on the front here, Brisbane have named the same side apart from Matt Lodge returning to the starting 13 with Offa Hengawi going back to the bench. Azarko has kept the fullback role and Boyd at centre. For the Sharkies, Luke Lewis returns in the back row. Sorensen goes to the bench and Joseph, oh sorry, yeah, Joseph Paulo pushes out of the side box head. So who do you like in this one? Where is it? Up at? It is at Suncourt. The last one was obviously uh, played. As we know. Well, uh, I'm going to tip the Broncos. Broncos. Suncourt. Is that the only reason why? Yeah. Yeah. It's a close game, man. Yeah. It's it's a bloody hard one. There's no doubt about that. Uh, for me, I'm going to go the Sharkies. I don't think they're going to lose this one a second time. They're both building nicely, but they're a spiteful team, the Sharks, and they got beaten in their own paddock. I'd certainly like what I saw from the Broncos last week, but yeah, I think the Sharks will be burned. Let's see if that was fake form. I'm, I'm willing to back the Bronx at home. Yeah. I'll go the Sharks. And the Sharks, probably they got away with one last week, didn't they? So Yeah, and I'm kind of asking them to prove me wrong this it's week. It's going to be so. a mad game. I'm looking forward to this game. 
Mr. Gossip, he's on the Broncos as well. With the Pro Sports Syndicate, they're $1.80. 204 for the Sharkies. Minus one and a half is the line. 1 to 12, Brisbane, 310, 320 Sharks. 13 plus Broncos, $4, $5 for the Sharkies. On to North Queensland playing uh, Newcastle Knights. It's, this is a hard one to tip. In the lineup there, they've kept Jake Clifford in the six jersey. Tamari Martin has gone to fullback. Lachlan Coote is a gone skis completely. So, uh, yeah, his time being spelt to an end, you'd assume, wouldn't you, Boxhead? You and would assume so, yeah. I was uh, hearing that there was clubs interested in the NRL, but it seems now that's all gone cold. I'm here in Salford in the Super League, so how quickly things change. He's a premiership fullback a couple of years ago, and now it looks like he may be on his way out. But... Yeah, he'll get decent wedge to go there. Yeah, well, they're unchanged, except that Clifford goes, like I said, to play six there, and Martin at the back. Ponga has been named to return. Nick, Namey, uh, Nick Meany is still in the reserves. Matadio returns at centre for Corey Dennis. Sean Kenny down, Nathan Ross, swap centre and wing. And Lachlan Fitzgibbon and Aiden Guerra swap in the back row. But this one, I already got mailed today. Connor Watson didn't train at all with that ankle issue. And Ponga trained well, but then hurt his own ankle as well. So if you think he's carrying an ankle and a hamstring, you wouldn't risk him, surely. He's going to want to play this game against his and former club. I agree with you, but I think for your long-term benefit for your Newcastle and you're not a chance at the final, sure, you don't want to push the envelope. Mm. And it's in North Queensland, so... A travel as well. Mm. I'm I'm going to tip Newcastle, but I'm a bit worried when you hear things like that, that Watson and Ponga went on the field. Yeah, tonight. I'll tip the Cowboys. I think it's a 50-50 game. I'll go home. I did that last week. Knights-Titans, I'll... Apply the same principle here. Well, I've applied that same principle the first two games. Mm. Well, Mr. Gossip, he's on the Newcastle Knights. They are the outsiders, 255 against the Cowboys. So that's why our fans were obviously talking wow. about uh, the value there. Can't blame them for that. Dollar fifty-two for the North Queensland Cowboys. Minus 5.5 is the line. 1 to 12 Cowboys, $3, $4 for Newcastle. 13 plus Cowboys, 285 $6 for Newcastle. It is the Dogs versus the Tigers. Uh, I don't think much needs to be said about this one. Off a hickey, Ogden replaces Clay Priest on the bench. The Tigers, Luke Garner moves into the starting second row for Josh Aloye, who has a broken hand. He is out, and Robbie Rocco <coughs> is recorded on the bench. This one's plain and simple. Tigers. Tigers, but I think it's a danger game. Yeah, well, if they don't it's bring the same attitude. danger game. It could be in big trouble. And Mr. Gossip's on the Tigers as well. But given all that you said last week, teams could look <laughs> ahead and say... <coughs> we have to beat this team or worry about the teams they're playing. They've knocked off two of the heavyweights in the competition, just look like they've taken it in their stride that they just need to win and mm-hmm. they're not stressing about it. They're just going to go out and play some football. So uh, clean sweep on the Tigers for all of us and the odds reflect that. $1.45 with the Pro Sports Syndicate for the Tigers. The Dogs are 280. Minus 6.5 is a line. 1-12 to 12 Tigers, 295, 375 for the Dogs. 13 plus, 280 for the Tigers, 750 for the Dogs. Manly versus Penrith, two teams that desperately... Need a bounce back. Manly embarrassed them a couple of weeks ago. And they were absolutely embarrassed themselves on the weekend. Penrith in a bit of a rough trot here after some of their previous results. They've got a couple of changes in their side. Jerome Luai is out with his ankle, but Dallin is named to return. He replaces Christian Crichton on the wing, though, with Tyron Peachy named in the number one jersey. And Tyron May named on the bench in the 14. Corey Harawurunara has been named to start for Trent Merrin in a reshuffle that sees Isaiah Yo to lock and James Fisher-Harris to prop. So, a bit of a mix-up there for the Panthers. Peachy at fullback. Dallin on the wing. So, Crichton has been flicked, like I spoke about earlier, before we looked at the lineup. Fisher-Harris into the front row. Yo into lock. Merrin back to the bench. So, a bit of a reshuffle there. Reshuffle, yeah. A bit of pressure's going on. And May's that utility man. So, Peachy in the one jersey. 
Wow. I don't know if that'll happen before kickoff, to be honest. It wouldn't surprise me if Dallin went back to fullback and either Farah or Wonga Blake ended up on the wing for Peachy to go yeah, play in the centers. Maybe just trying to get his hands on the ball. I don't know. I've called for a while, and again, I think he's been better in the back row more recently, but I've been saying for a long time that I think Yo's best spot is locked because I don't think he has enough of an impact on an edge with the players that they've got. But um, yeah, they've obviously made some shuffles on their side of things. Manly, Dylan Walker returns at 5'8", and George Defoe on the wing. So Tom Wright is out of the 17, as is Matt Wright. Kalepi Tanganoa comes on the bench for Sipley. Sean Lane is back in the run-on side with Frank Winnerstein on the bench. It's plain and simple. The Panthers have got something to play for. Manly don't have anything bar pride to play for, but Penrith have to win. Like they're, Panthers. They're at the bottom end of things here. They need to arrest this momentum and try and fight their way back for a top-four spot because it's still within reach. And Mr. Gossip, he agrees with us. He's also... On the Panthers, and they are a dollar fifty-two favourites of the Pro Sports Syndicate. Two fifty-five for Manly, minus five and a half the line. One to twelve Manly, four dollars, three dollars the Panthers. Thirteen plus Manly, six dollars two eighty for Penrith. South Sydney versus Para. No offence to the Parramatta Eels, I don't see any revenge South. coming from their side of things after losing their first game after winning nine in a row. I think it's only right that South come out this week and prove that they are a ruthless team again and find that killer edge that they kind of lacked uh, or you start to lose as teams do when they start getting away with those wins and finding things a bit easier. Mr. Gossip, he's also on the eel, uh, sorry, on Souths. They're unchanged for the Eels. David Gower returns to the bench, uh, replacing George Jennings in the 17 and Tepai Morales starts in the second row. Takarengi moves to centre and Hayne goes to the wing. So reshuffle there, but I don't think it's going to matter. Clean sweep, all of us on Souths and they are a $1.24 favourites of the Pro Sports Syndicate. 4.15 for the Eels, minus 10.5 the line. 1 to 12 South, 2.95.50 for the Eels. 13 plus South, $2, $13 for the Eels. Storm Canberra. Now, this is a danger game. Storm a bit late last last week. We all know what Canberra can do, and they've generally given trouble to Melbourne in the past with their style of football. It is down in Melbourne. Uh, I'm expecting Melbourne to hopefully show some better signs again this week and improvement with all those players back in. Dale Finucane is the only real change here. He starts a lot with Kenny swapping back to the bench. For the Raiders, Joe Tapine, he returns from suspension in the back row. Sia Soliolo goes back to the bench, and Jack Murchie is out of the 17. Nick Kotrick swaps to centre with Michael Oldfield on the wing, so obviously they weren't happy with his defensive effort last week. Oh, this is... Storm, I just don't trust Canberra. Uh, I don't trust Canberra, <laughs> but I tell you what, mark my words, it wouldn't surprise me. No, it, it wouldn't surprise me either. Really, I just don't trust him enough to tip him. It really wouldn't surprise Because I'll tip him, and then Storm will win by 40, and I'll go, what was I thinking? Yeah. I agree with you. Mr. Gossip agrees. We're all in the storm. The storm are a dollar thirty-one favorite. The Pro Sports Syndicate three fifty for the Raiders minus nine and a half is the line. And I tell you what, I don't mind the start. One to twelve for the Storm two ninety four seventy-five for the Raiders thirteen plus Storm two twenty-five nine dollars for the Raiders. Your mob, the Titans against the Warriors. That's one of your bogey teams, isn't it? The Warriors. The Warriors. Always... Every team's our bogey team. <laughs> yeah. Will Matthews replaces Leilani Latu on the bench in the only change for your side for the Warriors. Blake Green returns at 5'8". Tohu Harris is back about two, three weeks early in the back row. Mentoring goes to lock because Blair got suspended again for that late shot in the back. Sam Lasone replaces Sate on the bench. Good old Sate sauce. So. Oh. I'm going the Warriors. I don't care what Warriors. changes they make. Your mob just disappoint me yep. week after week, and they'll probably end up screwing us this if week. If they win, great. I don't care. I'm not tipping them. Mr. Gossip, he agrees. He's also on the Warriors. They're a dollar fifty-two favorite with a pro sports syndicate. Titans two fifty-five minus five and a half is the line. One to twelve Warriors three dollars, four dollars for the Titans. Thirteen plus Warriors two eighty-five, six dollars for the Titans, and the absolute blockbuster in the game of the round for me. And 
To be honest, Brock, I'll put this up there for the fans, but I think this is the game cast. I think oh, I'd love to do this game. Roosters, Dragons. Hopefully, a uh, closer game than the one we got last week. Obviously, we were hoping for something close, but we didn't get it. These two sides, hopefully prime for a big game. The Roosters, Isaac Liu and Mitch Orbison, both return on the bench for Lindsay Collins and Nat Butcher. And Dylan Harper's still, I think, missing. He's in the reserves there. So this lineup is just getting stronger. Liu this year has had a really good year and didn't play last week, underrated. Orbison brings that utility value, much like they get out of a Ryan Madison as well. And then you've got Dylan Harper, who's an origin front row. This team is stacked. On the Dragon side of things, Tyson Drizel is back in this week. Lucci... Yano Leilua goes back to the bench and Blake Laurie is in the reserves. Uh, I think this is a statement game for the Roosters. I think it is time to announce themselves. What are the odds? To the competition. We'll go through that in a sec, but I'm going to be on the Roosters. Mr. Gossip is on the Roosters. What are you thinking? Oh, man. This is a hard one. Uh, I'm going to go the Roosters. But, man, I'm interested to see the odds. Well, Jordan Pereira also held his wing. He's got that spot. Man stays on the bench, so now McDonald's still out on that side of things as well. But the odds in this one... Are uh, 165 for the Roosters, yeah. 226 for the Dragons. The line is three and a half. If this was four and a half, I'd be more interested, to be honest. But that three and a half puts me off because it's the kind of game that you see a four or six point game. I think like either it. team by one to 12 is yeah. a good bet. If, uh, so, whoever you like in this one, that's probably your go to, isn't it? The one to 12 market. Yeah. You'd be hoping for a close game. But the Roosters with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.65, 226 for the Dragons, minus three and a half is the line. One to twelve roosters, three dollars, three fifty for the dragons. Thirteen plus roosters, three fifty, five fifty for the dragons. So, looking at the tips, uh, we've basically had a clean sweep all the way through, except early on. So I'm solo on the sharks, and you're solo on the cowboys. Other than that, we're all uniform. So there could either be a one point shuffle or that's okay, mate. No kind of shuffle that's this okay. week. Well, could be a two point shuffle. Have to wait and see what happens. I could be. I could be all level. What about bets? What do you reckon? I uh, I kind of like the odds for... I can't remember which game jumped out at me. I have to go back a bit now. I like the Tigers to absolutely dust the dogs, to be honest. That's a line. Yeah. I reckon 13 plus at 280. I reckon they'll crash the dogs the way they play their footy. Yeah, I could be in on that. And even if not, the multi-value at a dollar... If it's around a dollar fifty, I don't mind it. So dollar forty-five for the Sharks, I don't mind. Oh, sorry, for the Tigers, I don't mind. I like the Warriors against your mob getting a dollar fifty as well, even though I know a lot of people don't trust them a lot of the time. Yeah, what price? What, what would that get us? Two bucks. Two bucks, and then the other one I don't mind. I'd rather back a Tigers thirteen plus. Yeah, well, we can, we can do that thirteen plus. And what about the start on? Uh, what what time is that game? The Dogs Tigers game. Dogs Tigers. Three o'clock Saturday, please. Nah, it's Friday night football. Uh, okay, well that's eight p.m. Friday. What's the three o'clock game? Three o'clock game is the Panthers and Manly at Brookvale. Yeah, okay. I'd lean. What's Penner thirteen plus? Yeah, they're two eighty. You reckon they bounce back in a big way? Yeah, I think they will. But yeah, I Manly beat them only a couple of weeks ago, so Oops. I don't know. We're gonna have to have a look at it, my friend. I think over in that game, over in Penrith Manly is a good bet. Forty three and a half. Jesus, a high line. I honestly reckon South will crunch Parra this week too. I know Parra were good last week, but I reckon they'll be very, very dirty after the effort they put in, and they let John Sutton down, and I think they'll want to strike back. Yeah, and they beat them 13-plus last time they played. Well, they played they, they were well. down by a couple of tries, and they then they ended up beating them by 30. So yeah. uh, how frail they are on that edge, I don't think that's going to be a big issue for well, South. Well, maybe uh, South 13-plus into West Tigers. What's that pay? 
Oh, South, so $2 for the 13 into plus. A four, into, no, into $1.45, just back Tigers head just to Tigers head. Just Tigers head to head. Yeah. What Add do we get for that, slip. my friend? If you look at that one, you will get $2.90. Yeah, well, there you go. So, not too bad. I don't mind that. Not too bad, but we'll have to come up with something. We'll come up with one, mate. For the charity bit. But there you go. You've got uh, our set of six. Answer all your fan questions, the power rankings, game reviews, <sighs> tips, gossip. What else could you ask for? But uh, big thank you. goodness. Big thank you to the Pro Sports Syndicate, as always, for backing our charity account this year. And Brock, I think it's probably only fitting that you uh, give us the charity this year. We finally decided on one. Yeah, we have. Uh, Bears of Hope, which is for infant and pregnancy loss. So uh, that's one that we, uh, we've we selected this year. There you go. So we've got our charity finally, as we always do. We work through things each year and uh, assess Everything out, everything's viable. Obviously, obviously, there's no charity that's not worthy of uh, donations. Every charity and every cause deserves some backing. But yeah, yeah, we've definitely uh, done our best every year to have a look at all kind of options and spread things around. But that's what we've picked for this year. So we have the Bears of Hope. I'm raising some money for them for City to Surf as well. Yeah, and our charity. But this year, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. So big thanks to them. Keep your eyes open for those affiliate link signups. Thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. Get those sign up bonuses. Look at their best bet. They're seven from nine in the package, 99 for your first month. If you don't get a return of profit from the tips, you get your next month free. There's not long left to get on board with that one. So jump on, get on with the boys there. They are professional punters. They do it for a living. They're bloody good at what they do, the Pro Sports Syndicate. Penrith Solar Center, massive thank you to them. If you're interested in that, let them know that the fifth and last set you are. Talk to Jake and the boys there, au. the P and Bolt Master. I'm a tradesman, let me tell you. If you want all your gear, you want your stock, you want your tools, wasn't the boys there www.nepbolt.com.au Boom. Boom. Done for another week, Boxhead. Uh, we'll put up on the page for everyone there the game companion or the game cast for this week. See what people are interested in. But I think our two big candidates are either Sharks, Broncos, or that Sunday game yep. between the Roosters and the Dragons. I, I I'd like to say the Melbourne Canberra game, but that's late Saturday night, and it's unlikely that many people stay up for that one. So, yeah, uh, and also that that to me could either be really Saturday's weird. hard because people want to watch all the exactly. games. Not, yeah. but I think that could be a ripping close game, or it could be a blowout. Either way, you don't know. So, I think our safer bet would be Dragons Roosters or either uh, that Broncos Sharks game. But we'll put that up for everyone on the page. Keep giving us feedback for the game cast. Uh, it's obviously going to get smoother as things go along, like everything. Takes time, bit of refinement. We'll have more time references this week. That's probably the biggest thing. Um, yeah, that's the biggest feedback. We've and had. a few people that obviously didn't record it, watched the Fox replay. They cut out bits and pieces, so you would have been hard pressed to follow us along for the eighty minutes. Well, obviously. yeah, especially if we're not telling you when the kickoffs are. So I think we're just going to have to tell people when there's kickoffs. Oh, but I mean, you know, the Fox version they cut out like yeah, twenty know, minutes. But, but yeah. people have to pause and wait for us to catch up and then play again. So, but there you go. Locked and loaded. Another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Thank you for your support as always. And we are on the home stretch. Six games to go, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see Six rounds, yeah. how this top eight shakes out. Will anyone fall out? I don't think so. But the Tigers are doing their best to get on a red-hot run here. Can those other sides at the bottom arrest the momentum? The Panthers, the Warriors, can the Sharks push back into the top four this week? Will Melbourne and the Roosters push their claims forward again to be real premiership contenders? Or will the Dragons press forward and South bounce back. Many questions to be answered coming forward into this round, but for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where are you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.